Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode number 609. Shout out to South Jersey of Underground Sports Philadelphia, presented by the city of Vineland. Speaking of South Jersey, it's KB coming at you from Underground Studios and joining me as he does every single Sunday into Monday episode to get your week started on the right foot or maybe the left. It is the people's champ, the host with the most, and I knew that was going to make him chuckle, Mr. Patty Pitts. That was that was good. That was good. That, that, that caught me off guard a little bit. We're feeling great, Kyle. Um, the champ is so back, uh, especially after yesterday, where everyone's like, "Oh, you're like older now." You know, you're getting. Are up they there. going? You watched? Well, they have been, and Oof. I just had to kind of put them in their place to know that the champ can get up at four in the morning, sell that fish, and then leave and go and drink for twelve hours. And then with a wide, I hit him. Just I was. All the all the reeves were flowing. I went to a concert at a bar, and then we had espresso martinis in the north end, which is like Little Italy. Wave the red flag, everybody! Wave the red flag. All right, I am a walking red flag. Hence. Tell me why I dropped that take to my friends that I have a group chat with, and immediately we had like twelve tweets on all of our collective timelines popping up about espresso martinis. Well, because they're listening, That's... and I said. I said, don't answer the call. Hit the red button. Decline, decline, decline. You got to hit that if that pops up. That One of them was up. literally a meme of like a phone call, and it said espresso martini. <laughs> I said, hit the red button. Just, you can just decline that. You can just decline that. Champ's so back, Kyle, and I, I feel good. He's Happy to be back. He's back. <laughs> We're so we got some fun stuff to uh, dive into on this episode. We also have uh, a nice little segment from the man, the myth, the legend, Sean Bernard from Pick Squat Media. Talk a little Sixers, and he and I took a little victory lap about how correct we were about Justin Herbert this season. Uh, so stay tuned for that later in the episode. And then on Wednesday show, which is six-year anniversary, baby, let's fucking go. Uh, we will have our props and fun uh, bets segment with the one and only Stephen McAvoy. So stay tuned to that for that. We got fun stuff coming up this week. But Sean Bernard, later on in the episode, you don't want to miss that. It's a fun time. And uh, he's the best. So shout out to him. We'll also talk some Sixers because before I recorded with him, we didn't know what the status of Joel Embiid's knee is. We do now. We'll talk some Eagles coaching staff hires. We'll talk some Phillies maybe being a dark horse for some for some big time names, some big time names. Big time, they're names. in the mix. They're... And uh, of course, it's it's Super Bowl Fifty Two anniversary, so we got to talk that. Uh, it's always fitting that Pitts is on this episode, so I love that for us. Um, and then of course we will uh, give the floor to the People's Champ, and he's going to. 
dumb it down and explain it to the common man about what the hell is going to be happening here in April now that WrestleMania is uh, pretty much set and who's going to be uh, coming to Philly and why I am claiming whoever wins as one of our own. Uh, and we'll also talk some fun stuff like we do along the way. But make sure you guys are following us on the socials at Underground PHI, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI, Twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI. You can follow Pitsy on Twitter at Pat underscore Pitts. You can follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts in audio form. Leave a five-star rating and review. And I was correct, Pitts. I was talking with Owen because we were trying to figure out some back-end numbers for mm-hmm. F1 a couple weeks ago. And I finally got into the account where you can like find your Apple podcast. Data. Oh, okay. There we go. I was right about this show. The show is a it's like about a for every two Apple podcast subscribers, there's one Spotify follower. So it's like mm-hmm. a two to one ratio there. But let's get the Spotify followers up. Let's get the Apple podcast followers up. Keep subscribing. Leave a five star rating and review. And as we always do, we always check in on the numbies on these Sunday episodes. So hopefully our uh, our fellow underground uh compadres are listening every week because then they find out where they're sitting on the charts that's not a bad that's not a bad way it's not a bad thing <clears throat> so we got uh this is this is awesome we got some we got some newfound uh talent here uh top in still firmly entrenched over there in greece on the soccer charts i mean dude the greeks love our boys we, we got them to the greeks what can we say um, we, got <laughs> we are still this show in particular a top 2000 uh global sports podcast so that's pretty cool it's pretty cool top 2000 is pretty cool globally not just yeah domestically you know global people? we're we're worldwide that's the thing that's 2000 global 1927 to be exact great year not really but <laughs> it was okay that was the beginning of the end yeah, but no, it was 29 was the Depression. Oh, yeah, I know. It happened on my birthday in 1929. Well, good thing you weren't a thought. You yeah, were just, good thing. You were in the ethos. Yeah, I wasn't even there yet. No, we weren't. Uh, again, the whole uh, still on the Swedish golf charts, and they have cracked the Great Britain golf charts as well. And then our pals, F1 Underground, on a sports chart over in South Korea. Dude, that's talk about global. There we go. We're worldwide, baby. Let's go. So keep subscribing wherever you get your podcasts in audio form and subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's where you get full video episodes of this show twice a week, full video episodes of every show on our network, live stream shorts, clips, original video content. It's all on our YouTube channel right now. As we are recording this portion of the episode, we are sitting at a giant number of 737 subscribers. Let's keep that number rolling. Let's keep it pushing. Let's get to 800 sooner rather than later. And, uh, yeah, keep subscribing. Be a friend, tell a friend. Smash that like button. Ring the bell icon. Comment down below. Uh, This is going to be the suggested comment pits because we have our new... uh, we got new hands on deck. 
and in the green room right now, helping us for the Sunday episodes, our intern, Kate Stewart, the GOAT. She's going to be helping on this show and with F1. Uh, so everybody in the YouTube comment section, I want you to put hashtag hi Kate, K-A-I-T. I want that in the YouTube comment section. Let's let's welcome her the right way. And uh, yeah, hashtag hi Kate in the YouTube comment section. Uh, and of course, this show is presented by the City of Vineland. City of Vineland Municipal Calendar features city-organized, city-sponsored, and city-affiliated events that are of public interest. The calendar, which is accessible at vinelandcity.org, is a good way for residents and visitors to build awareness, remain engaged with city government, and participate in local events. You can also follow the City of Vineland on social media via their Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube pages. And through these tools, you can stay connected to the community and get important announcements about programs and services offered by the city. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always a growing season. And big thank you to Security 21 Security Systems and Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated for their continued support of this podcast. Pitsy, the Eagles have uh, made some new coaching hires. And it's an anniversary of the biggest day in franchise history. So we're going to talk some birds to lead off the show. It is brought to you by our awesome merch partners at PHI Apparel Company. The best merch in the game. Pitsy and I can both tell you the most comfortable hoodies we own. The most comfortable t-shirts we own. And it is unfortunate that the bird's not in the big game again this year because we would have been designing another big game shirt like we did last year. That was absolute heat. Um... You can still get that if you want to relive the, the hype building up to that game, but not the result. Uh, you can also get your Philly Dog shirt. You can get Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast merch for all of our shows on the network. And you get awesome Philly sports merch that Pitsy is 100% going to be buying when he comes here in April. And he's going to be rocking that OnlyFans shirt that is PH. ANS with the Liberty Bell instead of the locking key. Uh, you can go to phiapparel.co and when you go to check out when your cart is stuffed to the gills, that was a fish joke for Pitsy, uh, use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your orders. It's the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing here at Underground Sports Philadelphia. So go to phiapparel.co and use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your merch orders. And when you get your merch, Tweet it at us, tag us, post it up. We'll repost it. PHI Apparel Company will repost it. They're the best. Code Underground, 10% off at phiapparel.co. Pitts, the the Eagles Mm -hmm. have uh, some new coaches. Dom and I talked about some of the new ones on Wednesday's episode as well. And... um, we got a new one in the mix that is coming through that has been with Kellen Moore since the beginning of his coaching tenure. Uh, and that is, if my notes want to load here, um, that is quarterbacks coach Doug Nussmeyer coming to the Great Birds. name. Great name. Great football Great guy. Name. Name. That's a good football name. Um He's worked closely with Kellen Moore in both Dallas and L.A., so he is coming here to be the quarterback's coach. So the Eagles got their guy that's going to be working with Jalen Hurts now. Um, I think that's important because when you bring a guy who's worked with Dak Prescott and you bring a, and made Dak Prescott look better than what he probably is, um, along with working with Justin Herbert, and even though it was a down year for Herbert this past year due to injury, I still think Herbert had glimpses of like success um 
So I'm cool with somebody who is familiar with Kellen Moore's coaching style coming here, following, you know, with him. And if things go awry and Kellen Moore somehow in some universe finds his way as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, you have your guy that's going to get elevated to offensive coordinator. I don't, I don't think, think that's going to happen. I don't think you should be putting that out there. I don't think I it's going to happen. But that's what that a is. lot of people are saying, that if, like, if everything hits the fan, Kellen mm-hmm. Moore is the guy. This is who you promote from quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator. Fine. Um, You should have a safety net, though. Okay. The the other big thing is I've seen a lot of people starting to talk about the Eagles in the linebacker position and what they could do in free agency, what they could do in the draft. And that gets me excited. It gets gets me all tingly because you know what it's like to have fun linebackers i truly don't oh we have some oh oh we've had some of the best from brewski to mcginnis and then even more recently with donta hightower the unsung hero of two super bowls in my opinion like having a awesome linebacker is probably one of the most fun things about a football team and I, I'll go on record and say that I didn't even want Mac Jones. I wanted a linebacker with that pick in 2021, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, so a linebacker is basically the quarterback of your defense. Defense is the most important, I would say, aspect of a team. It just goes hand in hand. You got to get excited for a guy like that. And Eagles defensive backs coach DK McDonald is leaving. He's going to Kansas um, to coach there, which – See ya. Could, yeah. Couldn't be happier. Our defensive back stunk this year as a whole, as a unit, and they need to get better. And the Eagles will hire somebody, I think, that will do the job way more admirably if they haven't already. I forget if they've hired a DB's coach because the DB's coach that was supposed to be coming is staying in Seattle, uh, which made all of the takes about trading A.J. Brown for Patrick Sertain look even more ridiculous than they were on the surface. Um, I'm glad that, you know, so much change is happening because it needed to happen. It felt like so much was stale with the Eagles last year, just across the board, not even offensively, but just everywhere. So I think bringing in some fresh faces, some fresh voices, some new ideas, some creativity is going to do so much for this football team. Um, but yeah, Doug Nussmeyer is the big one, the QB coach coming in and, um, Apparently his son plays at LSU. Really? What position? I think he's you know. A, uh, he's a quarterback, Garrett Nussmeyer. Another sick football name. Interesting. Maybe we have uh, some the, the Nuss Bus. The Nuss Bus. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm on that. All aboard All the aboard Nuss, Nuss bus. bus. Hey. That's a merch idea. Boop, boop. Oh, that's incredible. Oh, I got I got really scared because I, I Googled Garrett Nussmeyer and it shows his parents like on the side panel on Google and it says parents Doug Nussmeyer and then I read it real fast and I thought his mom's maiden name was Herbert. It's Hebert. Hebert. <laughs> Not Herbert. Not Herbert. That would I was been. very concerned for a hot second. That would have been that would have been very Interesting to say the least. Um, but yeah, the Nuss Bus is uh, 
son was the 2024 Re, uh, Relia Quest Bowl MVP. No Relia. idea what that bowl game I, is. I don't either. It's New Year's Day Bowl. Really? That does not seem like a New Year's Day bowl. The rel- Reliquish? Reliquest? Let's see. Reliquest? What, this used to be what is Reliquest? I'm looking this up. I'm looking up Reliquest. What was this bowl game previously called? I hate that bowl games change their major sponsors like every year now. It's so annoying. Yeah, Reliquest is a force multiplier of security teams. It's a cybersecurity company. That's so 2023. So 2000 and late. What did this used to be called? Boom, boom, pow. Not the. Now I got to backtrack because. Ah, it was the Outback Bowl. Oh, I remember the Outback Bowl. That's a good one. Why are we we getting rid of the Outback Bowl? That that, that wasn't bad. It changed in 2023. So the past two. Years it's been the Aurelia Quest. Why are we hating on our Aussie Aussie Aussies? Oi, oi, oi. Why are we hating on them? Aussies yeah. are cool people. I used to hate on them. Now I have Dude, a- the, the Outback oh. Bowl missed out on a huge opportunity. Not that Outback is a sponsor of this show, but if they want to get on board, I we're open like, for business. I want to they missed on out you. on the trophy not just being a giant blooming onion. Yeah, wait, that is how are we the first ones to think of that? That's or really- or like an ancillary piece of the like you still have the trophy and then boom here's bloom and onion kind of like how they do the Thanksgiving turkey yeah. and the and they do the and then the, the bloom the and onion tart. Like, players are eating the bloom and onion and then you get in like camera shots and it's like ah you know the like, pop tart bowl this year they ate the mascot yeah dude that, that mascot went through it <laughs> the mascot went are made through it. <laughs> um. But yeah, they missed out on a prime opportunity there, and they could have done that. I just don't watch college football as intently as most. No. But no, I, I I feel like we would have seen clips of student athletes uh, chomping down on a blooming onion if that was the case. Yeah, no, we absolutely would have seen blooming onions. Having skewers of shrimp on the Barbie, delicious shrimp on the Barbie, <laughs> only at Outback Steakhouse. Those ads are awesome. You know what? Fun fact: I've never gone to an Outback. Neither have I, and one of my best friends works at one. We we I think we gotta take a company trip. We gotta my, go out of the underground. Outback, if you're listening, let's have a business meeting. We'll buy the Bloom and Onion. You provide the sponsorship. Yeah, it's a it's a good deal. Hey, it's a pretty good, good deal, deal to me. Um. So yeah, but. Not much else on the Eagles front uh, outside of Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. We talked about it on Wednesday, too. They were on your favorite program, Pitts, up in Adams with Kay Adams. Oh, my God. I love Kay Adams. (laughs) I love Kay Adams. That was like, God, I loved when she was on Good Morning Football. She's your celebrity crush. It's it's like, yeah, her. I would say her and now Emily Blunt are my two, like, big celebrity crushes that aren't wrestling related. Kay Adams, uh, like, oh Madison Pettis too. You can't forget was, about Madison Pettis. Kay Adams was one of those uh-huh. things when she started doing the Dick Sporting Goods commercials. I was like, what? I know that voice. I was like, what? What? What is Kay Adams doing? Kay Adams. <laughs> is that the Kay Adams? That's incredible. Hey, it's Kay Adams. Like incredible. <laughs> is that? Is that up in Adams? 
that's her that's her on my screen why um and i love that aj brown just didn't crack and like was like yeah it's a business like i gotta be prepared for anything and just like made traditional philly media and dumbass philly sports fans spiral even more and i love aj brown for it i think he's so good at creating that chaos in the best way possible and if you're smart you understand what he's doing but if you're dumb and dense like a lot of people um you have no clue what he's doing and you think that he truly wants to get traded and it's like no he's playing football with his best friend why would he want to do that you absolute dunce cap i do hate this part of uh the offseason and i I can't believe we're at this park because we still have the Super Bowl left. But it's that time where everyone's just not making up stories, but they're trying to connect dots that just aren't there. And they're doing it just because they need to put something up. And it's easier to do a story like that where you, you know, really touch on people's emotions rather than being like, all right, well, there's nothing going on. He's happy. Look at him do this. You know, that doesn't really grab the attention, but that's real life. Sometimes he doesn't have to grab your attention he can just have things be and as the boston media philly media i feel like we we share a lot of similarities there where our fan bases like to, from that dumbass sports talk radio subscribe dude, to the pod dumb, dumbass oh my god i can't stand the ones up here and i know you share my same feelings about your your own little talking heads down mm-hmm. in uh, philly so it, it's to me that's why i, I just kind of tune it out and you know, try to tell the peeps that you got to tune it out and take everything with a grain of salt at this point. We're not even at the Super Bowl and this type of shit is like happening. Like, are we, are we really serious right now? Yeah. You have nothing else to report on. Like, even if it's fun news with the Pro Bowl, like they're still trying to find little things within that. Like, oh, his body like, oh, he dapped up that guy. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, 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 he dapped him up. They might be going to trade. Uh, what's he mean? What's he? He, he kind of gave him the cold shoulder. Uh, in the cold shoulder. Do they hate each other? Uh. It just like, shut up. Just enjoy things. All right. Don't get annoying. Um, I'm looking at the list. They have the next three uh big game locations listed. I'm bummed that like we're not at a point where we could have afforded to go this year. But I feel like in the future we got to do kind of like what Barstool and like the Ringer and like all these big companies do, and they go for the week of yeah the super bowl and then they don't stay for the game because it's yeah. obviously just a corporate event and if you're a real fan you don't care to watch it there you want to watch it with your watch people. it at your house because it's, um, it's more of a viewing event yeah one day we will do super bowl week i, I think it's a i will must. put that in the ethos we will do super bowl week i think it's a must with us because it's the amount of different avenues we could go down we could just make content out of just anything essentially so I'm all for it. The next three, next year is going to be an absolute chaos fest. It's in New Orleans. Oh, dude. Mm, That's a fun city. That's a fun city. (laughs) And then it gets boring again and goes to California for two straight years. Santa Clara and then Inglewood again. Compton, Inglewood. I got my brother, like, right out there, so to me and we do i want to put this out there in the ethos that my dad he's not like me where he loves a lot of like teams and has like shout a little, out like, dicky pits shout out dicky pits uh he has a goal that he wants to go to sofi with myself my older brother out there 
and then our nephew, my nephew, I mean, Ma, and like have like a guy's trip there because he's obsessed with SoFi. He loves like he thinks the stadium complex is absolutely astounding. So I do find it hilarious that SoFi didn't put an actual roof on the building. It's just like a tarp that you would have had like for Survivor. Yeah. It so is remember like, a couple years ago when the game on Monday Night Football got postponed? Not postponed, but like delayed because there was weather issues. And it's like, you're in a dome. And it's like, well, actually, the roof is a, it's a tarp. Because everyone wants that retractable roof so that you have It's not that even retractable. Outside. That's the funny part. It's like, it's literally like a tarp. But like, why have like... Why see, not spend the extra money, Mr. Cronky? You have, you own seven sports teams. Yeah. Like, why are we not putting that to having a retractable roof? It's crazy. It's I will th- the Colts have their own issues, but I will give them credit for having that retractable roof because it is a cool little thing. Like, what if it is a gorgeous day out mm-hmm. and you want to have the sun come down on you? And even though you are in a dome, it's a nice little fa- uh, feature. And then if the weather is shit, well, you're playing in a dome, so it doesn't matter. And then you're shielded from all the snow, sleet, whatever you want to call it. So I, I'm a big fan of retractable roofs. Uh, but yeah, one day we will do Super Bowl week and we'll do a content week out at the big game. I feel like it has to happen. It has to. It has to happen. Um, but speaking of big games, it is. It is. It's great. We're recording this on one of the best days of my life. One of the best days ever. It's brought to you by Dead Threads. Our awesome pals over at Dead Threads. Pitsy knows Dead Threads. I know Dead Threads. We've got. We got we got this right here, Pitts. Speaking of, we got we got dead threads. Bro, that that that, that, that shirt's fuego. Look at that. That is, that is fuego flames. Dead threads. It's awesome apparel for your favorite sports teams. Uh, that has what I like to call an underground twist to it. Skeletons are awesome. Sports teams are awesome. Combine the two, you got dead threads. Uh, you can gear up with your favorite football basketball they're working in a lot of hockey now a lot of uh baseball i'm sure will be on the way dude i can't wait for a bryce harper one i can't wait for a phillies dead thread shirt that thing is gonna look absolute fuego like a skeleton with the bell oh sign me up uh dead threads they are awesome and last week you saw pitsy wearing the dan campbell shirt they got those they got a whole bunch of stuff on their website, and they're adding new stuff every single day. Click the link in the description or go to deadthreads.shop, and you get 15% off by clicking the link in the description or use code UNDERGROUND at checkout. If you're just typing it in you don't want to click the link, you get 10% off by using code UNDERGROUND. Click the link, code UNDERGROUND. Hook yourself up with Dead Threads. They are the best. Shout out to Dead Threads. Um... Pitsy, it's 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 big game fifty two anniversary. Super Bowl fifty two happened six years ago. Well, I should say five years ago because it happened in twenty eighteen. But six years ago, season wise, mm-hmm. uh, five years ago today, the birds did the unthinkable and took down the Giants. And I'm not talking New York. I'm talking the big bad New England Patriots. Forty one thirty three. One of the greatest scores in sports history. Just a no. beautiful thing, and you know, it's bit we're we're a little bit removed from it now. 
being that it was five seasons, five years ago. But someone quote tweeted the final play of that Super Bowl. My goodness, was Al Michaels terrible on the call for the final play? Oh, I hate that. I don't remember it, but I have like, I you need to have a good call to end a Do game or have a big moment. I'm I'm gonna play it for you. I don't know if we can play it while it's being recorded. So he he, Al Michaels sounds disappointed that that's the end of the game. I feel like Al Michaels wanted Gronk to catch that hail mary. That's what it sounds like. To he me. was rooting for his pal Tom Brady. I mean, who? I mean, that, that's my Lord and Savior. I mean, we always root for for that guy. And when he falls, it's like, what do you do? Like, I'm not kidding you. Even when was it Brandon Graham that forced the fumble? Uh, yes. Okay, when Brandon Graham forced that fumble, even I was like, all right. Like every my big Ben and I were like, this game is not over. They're gonna come back. And then he does that Hail Mary. And I'm like, yeah, this the clock is at zero. But no, Tom's going to come back. That's just that's what he does. Like, what literally, he does. Verbal, verbal Simba meme of him pushing uh, a Mufasa. Like, get up. Like, you, it's all, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Come on. And I had probably one of the most saddest card ride homes ever. Pouring rain. I had to drop off my friend who, by the way, fell asleep. Fell asleep during the Super Bowl and was snoring on the couch. He's a Jets fan. And it was just me, Big Ben, and our other friend. And then I have to drive his ass home. And I'm just listening to Fix You in my Deep Soft playlist. <laughs> and then, oh, it was just, oh, that. I, I'm happy you it worked out for you. And we it worked had, out for you, too. Because if, that, did, if that game doesn't go the way it does, we don't exist. We don't. In the way that we exist. And things are... It was literally the Doctor Strange permutations. There was one one timeline where it all played out this way. I'm, I'm happy to be part we of We wouldn't know timeline. each other. Just that think of it that way. That is crazy. Think of it that way. That's... See, see, that's why I like always like to have a positive outlook on things. Because even though that was one of the most soul-crushing Super Bowl losses I've ever experienced... Like, I get it in a moment like this, and you reflect, and you're like, all right, well, if it didn't happen, then you wouldn't be in the underground. You know, you wouldn't be, maybe you don't have a show, or maybe you don't meet this person. Like, there's so many different little things that, that needed to happen because of it. So, you, you got to have a positive. Yeah, because literally, if, it, if we don't win that game, we were going to wait like two-ish weeks to get things going again and start. Who mm-hmm. say like you know that build up and everything throws some things off? Maybe we don't start a lacrosse podcast, which then doesn't lead to me meeting Broche and Robin Brown and Annette mm-hmm. Hogan and Jen Hildebrand, which then means I don't meet you. This, those are all my people in a weird nonsense world that I'm connected all to. So yeah, and I bro, speaking of him, uh, that because he went down. <clears throat> He went down to watch that game with his dad and mm-hmm. experienced that. So Kumo for him to experience the video is awesome. But then his on his way back, he stopped by my house, the barn, and he was like, Pat, I got a gift for you. And I'm like, what the hell are you going to give me right now? He went and picked up like 20 
newspapers oh. with all eagles like dude headlines you and know was what throwing i miss them at me he was just throwing, he's like hey i got you this one and this one and i'm just sitting there just like this is my life now while people are just laughing i miss that like, about our childhood is when your team won a championship and i know you have a lot more than i do mm-hmm. i only have four titles to my favorite team's names uh we had four in two years so I had two in one year, so and one was a college team. <laughs> yeah, we dude, our college team is fugazi at this point. <laughs> yeah, I had Nova basketball, baby. Um, the I miss the the, the front page of the newspaper. Like mm. that was something that like I cherished. Like getting all the newspapers. Like when your team advanced in the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. I miss that. I miss that because. It's, it's, it's more, it's more than just a post, you know what I mean? It's something physical you had and they were just, there were always cool pictures that went along with it and it really brought out the headline. Now it's just like you scroll on your phone. You're just like, all right, oh, that's a cool picture and a nice caption. But then you scroll away and it's gone. You know what I mean? You can lose it where like, this is a physical thing that you hold. And that like hits you right in the the feels where social media posts really don't. Is I know we touched on it a little bit last week when you and I recorded, but I feel like it's fair to say Super Bowl Fifty Two is the greatest Super Bowl of all time, and that's all bias removed. Why I would disagree. Brady set a Super Bowl record for passing yards in a Super Bowl. Okay, okay. You had. The, the underdog versus the evil empire kind of storyline. You had mm-hmm. Nick Foles going blow for blow with Tom Brady while Tom is setting a record in the Super Bowl. You had the the undrafted local free agent in Corey Clement, arguably top three in the MVP conversation from that Super Bowl, having the game of his life. Oh, you, Corey Clement. TBT to that name. Glassboro native, baby. Shout to Corey Ooh. Clement. Um, Brandon Graham, the once chastised and hated draft pick of the Philadelphia Eagles, turns into untouchable folk hero mm-hmm. in the blink of an eye. You have there's so many different pockets of that game. The, the tunnel run out from the Eagles to Meek Mill versus Ozzy Osbourne and Crazy Train. That's yeah, the moment it. the game was over. I'm not going to lie. I, I actually looked at Ben, and once they came out to Dreams and Nightmares, I was like, we, we might be done here. This this I'm, were, I'm even fired up. I was, like, I was fired up. You were like, fuck. I was <laughs> fucking damn it. Like, that, at that point, Dreams and Nightmares was my basketball song when Ben and I would play pickup. That was my song that I get warmed up to, just knocking down threes. So when you see the Philadelphia Eagles coming out to your hype song, you're like, well, this is over. I mean, this... that's, our, that's my national anthem. I still, to this day, anytime I hear that, I think I know, like, I'm screaming the lyrics in the car by myself, hands down. Um, the Philly special happens, which is... Fuck the Philly special. I'm so... <laughs> Fuck the Philly special. It's one of the best plays of all time. No, it's... It, it mean uh, it's not the greatest. It, I'll give you top three, but I'm so sick of it because it's so I, good. No, oh God, dude, just... the fact that you had the backup quarterback 
come up to Doug Peterson, former backup quarterback, and say, hey, you want Philly Philly? And Doug Peterson's like, yeah, let's do it. Like, that is just absolute South Park, balls in the wheelbarrow type move. Yeah, no, I... I, I just hate it. I, anytime I see that, I equivocate it to it's, the Tyree catch. The that perfect just goes, play. Goes, yeah, all right. And he, on fourth down, to call that play, the stones you have to have. That's I just I can't watch it without having a piece of my heart be ripped out at the same time. It's the just, stones that you have to have. Well, it's just nice to see that your quarterback can catch balls. Mine can only throw them. Uh so it's just it was annoying in that that regard. too. Like Brady, they try to do oh, then, yeah. a similar oh. thing. Brady drops it, turns into an all-time gif where somebody yes. photoshops in the Lombardi. Yeah, I hate oh, that was good. I gotta give credit where credit's due there. That was pretty good. Dude, like Foles in that game wins MVP, goes 28 of 43 for 373, three passing touchdowns and a touchdown reception. Yeah, that's He's, He's got to be the only quarterback in Super Bowl history to have a touchdown reception, right? He has to be. Has to be. There's nobody that has I, done it since. No. And there's nobody that did it before him. I don't. I can't they weren't calling crazy anyone. kooky plays like that. No, Terry Bradshaw was not catching passes. <laughs> Terry! <laughs> You're a, it's over for you, you little <laughs> orange. You like that when I tweeted yeah, that? Those, the other oh day. my god, that was hilarious. Is is Nick Foles a top five Super Bowl MVP? Um, game record stats and like the actual game itself, yeah. and just like on basis of like earning it, because like Super Bowl MVP, like there's moments like luckily in the Rams, uh, Bengals Super Bowl, like they gave it to Cooper Cup, deserved it. Uh, Edelman gets it in. The, yeah, the, the most Rams boring won. Super Bowl of all time. Uh, Von Miller got it in Super Bowl 50. Um, Malcolm Smith got it in that Seattle Broncos yeah, Super that, Bowl. Oh, that wonky-ass uh, Santonio Holmes got it in the Steelers-Cardinals one. But, like, again, like, the Super Bowl MVP has been predominantly, like, quarterbacks. And mm-hmm. I think Foles was one of the quarterbacks that, like, earned it. And it wasn't just like, oh. Team that won, here's your quarterback. Yeah, no, no, no. It definitely, I, I would agree with that, that it was not. Because the fact that, like, like no. don't get me wrong. He had a great game against us last year, but Patrick Mahomes threw for 182 yards and won Super Bowl MVP. That just doesn't, that like, just doesn't what? make, yeah, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't track. Like, compared to the... That, yeah, that was the, the 2020 Super Bowl when they beat the 49ers. He went 26 of 42 for 286 and two touchdowns. Against the Eagles, he went 21 of 27 for 182 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. I mean. You gave the MVP based on touchdown passes. And that's There's a lot more than that. Who, who else would that. you say is like top in terms of like earning the MVP in the Super Bowl? Uh, Foles definitely earned it. Dion Branch in that um, Eagles one. Fuck to me. you. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> Ricochet shots. Uh, another one I would have to say, uh, trying to think here. Dude, um, I love, I'm on ESPN's website, like, looking at all of them. I love the descriptions for some of the reasons why these players won MVPs. So, 
the Ray Lewis year in what was it? Super Bowl thirty five. Flacco. I was Super, Bowl Flacco. Th- Super Bowl thirty five. The Ravens like two thousand Super Bowl. Yeah. It says Ray Lewis MVP. And the the reasoning, or it's listed as highlights. Led a dominant Ravens defense. <laughs> That's it. That's the reason. That's the highlight. Way to spark note that. That is just ridiculous. You couldn't have got more. Like, Ray Lewis had five tackles or, you know, ten tackles or something. An interception. He's the only one. Oh, no. I'm I'm sorry. There's another one. Uh, Super Bowl 12. Harvey Martin and Randy White won co-Super Bowl MVPs for the fraud-ass Dallas Cowboys. Um, I did know that I, when I was looking up Super Bowl facts one year. Like I, I their their highlight led Dallas defense that forced eight turnovers. <laughs> See, that's even more descriptive though than Ray Lewis. Like they had eight turnovers. Okay, the Ravens wanted to say led a dominant Ravens defense. Does that say more about the Ravens team that year or the? Super Bowl? Oh yeah, that, that defense is like. All here's time. the here's the eighty five Bears. Here's the two thousand Ravens, in my book. See, that's a game. If we that's the Trent Dilfer Ravens. <sighs> the grossest offense ever to win a Super Bowl, in my opinion. And you have that. I don't know the Ravens. That, no, the grossest offense be... to win a Super Bowl was Super Bowl fifty three Patriots. There was no offense in that game, but we had a good offense all season. We were led by Jesus Christ Himself. And then you had, and then you had the the Holy Spirit and Gronk. You had the Holy Trinity on the field, dude. You had Jesus and Brady. You had the or I'm doing it wrong, but Gronk, Brady, Adelman, basically. That's the offense. That's all you need. I'm, I've been out of Catholic school a while. All right, it's been a long time. Yeah, that's funny too. Uh, I think I think Foles is in there. I think uh, Von Miller in Super Bowl Fifty. Six that's tackles, two and a half sacks, and a pass defended. And the that Broncos defense just absolutely dominated Carolina. Yeah, that, was a, um, that was a gross Super Bowl too. I think the early one. Oh, that uh Bucks one they earned. Um the yeah, fuck them too. Fuck them no, too. not that Bucks team. The No, fuck that Bucks team. Two thousand two Oh, I forgot because yeah, fuck they yeah, team. yeah, you have some beef with them. I oh, forgot. Yeah. NFC. Yeah, they gave that to Dexter Jackson, who had two first half interceptions. Yeah, there wasn't one of them return for a touchdown. I think so. Yeah, that that <clears throat> that Bucks defense should have won all the awards because Gruden basically game planned the shit out of that Raiders team. Um, trying to cool. see. I mean, Malcolm Smith he had ten tackles, an interception return for a touchdown, and a fumble recovery for Seattle. Oh, against easy. Denver. That's an MV. You know what's one that's not earned is the. Whoever it was, ninety-six Super Bowl Packers Pats, and um, the Super Bowl MVP was one basically of a guy who had a kick return. 96. That was it. Six. Oh, Desmond Howard. Desmond Howard is Super Bowl MVP. Really? Well, he had two hundred forty-four all-purpose yards and a ninety-nine yard kick return for a touchdown. Yeah, but they think that it's just it's. I think that is kind of cool. I respect the I respect the special teams brand more than most. A kick returner winning Super Bowl MVP is pretty fire. We were an Edelman Edelman away from having Jake Bailey, punter of the New England Patriots, winning the Super Bowl MVP, which would have been the Rams f- one filth. It would have, but it would have made so much sense. He was the MVP in that game. Dude, he you was know it's wild. electric. Uh, 
see, I'm pretty sure you know the quarterback Brett Rippin that was playing for the oh, Packers. Yeah, his, I'm pretty sure this is his dad. His dad is a Super Bowl MVP. What you for what year? Uh, for Washington in Super Bowl 26. Mark Rippin. Was he a quarterback? Yeah. Those, those Washington teams were good though. Yeah. Joe Gibbs led. I'm pretty sure. So, I I could see that. That's I'm nice to confirm that this is his. I mean, how many no, people? I'm incorrect. Not really, related. not related, but same last name. Hmm. Interesting. You don't really see a lot I of stand corrected. Mark Rippin, Philadelphia Eagle, for a short time. Interesting. Oh, I didn't know that either. Oh, fun fact. Uh, yeah, I don't think. Well, let's see. Looking at the personal life here. Uh... <laughs> You'll enjoy this. His daughter played in the 2011 season for the Seattle Mist of the Lingerie Football League. That's that's one of the most underrated leagues <laughs> in all professional sports. It's insane. Um, yeah, I don't think he's related to Brett Rippon. Even though they have the same spelling of their last name, that's not a common last name. No, that's the thing. That's weird. It's not like Smith or Jones. You know, that's wild. Um, but yeah, interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. How many Super Bowl MVPs can you name? Brady, Mahomes. Deion Branch, uh, Nick Foles, Rippin at this point because we're talking about him. Um, Ray Lewis. I already said Malcolm Smith. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones. Uh, did Big Ben win it that year? They played the Cardinals. No. Was it James Harrison? No. What was it? San Antonio Holmes for that catch? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And Big um, Ben didn't win it the other year either. Was it Palomalu? No. It wasn't Oh Bettis Jerome. Nope. Really? It was uh the legend of Gotham City himself, Heinz Ward. Oh. He had five catches Heinz for Ward is a Super Bowl MVP. Five That's catches crazy. for 123 yards and a touchdown in that Super Bowl. Wow. I would not expect that. Uh wow, yeah. Jules, another Super Bowl MVP. Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner with the greatest show on turf. Uh, my Miller, Joe Flacco, Joe Flack. Shout I, out Stavi. Shout out Stavi. <laughs> Dude, that's the one thing I will say I'm upset about that we're not getting is we're not getting Stavi at the Super Bowl because that would have been a. He went on part of my take and basically like aired out his grievances for like 25 minutes and was like, I was gonna go to fucking Vegas. My friends are doing a show out there. Tom and Bert. I was going to hop on their show. <laughs> we were going to have Stavi with Tom oh Segura and Bert Christ. Look what you did, Mahomes. Look at what your Taylor Swift ass. He was like, I've spiraled. He was like. <laughs> yeah, I would too. He's like, I'm drinking all the time. I just threw out the last of my weed. I've been eating. So he's like, I'm eating like when someone's eating for a roll. Like I got ice cream containers open on the counter. <laughs> My man's going through it. He's oh, like, and it had crazy. to be the Chiefs. It had to be the Chiefs. He's like, I fucking hate that team. 
I hate how everyone now is saying that the Chiefs are the new Patriots. That's so disrespectful. There's a lot of parallels. They're so they're so that. much more hated. You can hate them so much more. See, you're you're coming from I've seen a lot of Patriots fans on the timeline asking, is this what y'all felt like when we were doing this? Because this shit's annoying. And it's it's like, so annoying. It's like, yes, this is how we felt. It's incredible how we come full circle and realize it. But like I hate it more because to me, you hate it. You way. hate it more because it's in the social media era. When the Patriots That's were true. doing it, it was very like traditional journalism era, and then it bled into the social media era, where like when the Patriots were winning all the time, it was just getting written about. It was getting blogged about. Now, when the Chiefs are winning the way that they are, it's on social media. It's on Twitter. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's on TikTok, and it's in your face twenty four seven. And that's why you're feeling that way. Okay, I could see that. It, but to, to me, too, I I feel like the Chiefs are more like a Hollywood type of hateable team, you know, with Taylor Swift. And then you have the Pat Mahomes element where I'm actually, I don't know, the Justin Tucker thing kind of pissed me off where they were. Uh, yeah, disrespecting the GOAT. That was yeah, like, kind of wild. Who do you think you are? You know, you're not the I am. Team. Yeah, who do you think you are? I am. You're not the home team. You don't have to. You, you don't have the right to do that. Stavi said he was on the other side of the field when that happened. He's like, yeah. if I would have fucking saw them coming after the goat, I would have. I would have gone up to to Travis Kelsey and I would have bear tackled him. <laughs> he said just, some other things, but I don't want our YouTube channel to get taken down. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. Uh, you can you can just spark note and cliff note it. It's okay. I'll they, put it in they, the private chat for you. Okay, like it's. And with the Pats, and I know I sound a little biased here, but, like, Tom Brady is the greatest football player to ever play the game. You have the greatest coach ever to play, you know, to coach the game and Bill Belichick, too. So it was more of a greatness thing where, like, they just wanted to be the best, where this seems more like an act. That's really all I, I have. I just – it doesn't seem as as pure. They're not as good, too. They're really not. They They just – it, it's there's no the only thing that's different is just the exposure yeah but there are a lot of parallels and a lot of similarities oh my god <laughs> okay yeah stavi's not happy that new heights exists we are i love, I love it Trap. i, I think it's one I of the best shows great. out there. and that's stavi my thing was, is i like kelsey's i, I like stavi Travis was like Kelsey. i came from the fucking podcasting mud and now you think you can just come and do my job Jesus, like I, I like Travis Kelsey. Now I've kind of come full circle and realized that you know the comparisons between him and Gronk are media driven. Jason Kelsey's just a homie and just a dude who I think you and I would both get along with. That's very my well. guy. He's my. They're hero. just dudes. They're just dudes, and I like them. It's just that I can't stand the the. Uh, the, the flashing lights around the Chiefs because they don't deserve it the way the Pats did. Yeah, hundred um, percent. We, uh, we 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 love Super Bowl Fifty Two. It is one of the greatest days of my life. Brandon Graham is a hero in this city. Nick Foles, hero. Doug Peterson, hero. That whole team, forever indebted because they're the reason that this company started. Thank Shout you, Chris Long. Oh, he's a Pat, so I like him too. I mean, Shout out Garrett Blunt. Can't hate Garrett Blunt either. Shout out Zach Ertz, Brent Selick, Jason Peters, Lane Johnson, wide. What? Jason Kelsey, wide. What? 
Nelson Aguilar wide. What? Fuck no. I'm not doing a what for Nelson I, Aguilar. I still love Nelson Aguilar. People can hate on him all they want. Hey. The, unlike Aguilar thing, I still think he's awesome. And I loved seeing him thrive with the Ravens this year. I did like that. It was nice to see him actually do well. But no, I will not do a wad for him. Shout out Nelly. Corey Clement. Wide. wide. Uh, oh wow! What's Jaji? Wide. Wide. Fletcher Cox. Wide. wide. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins. Wide. wide. Rodney McLeod. Wide. wide. Absolutely obliterated homeboy in the beginning of that game too. That tackle was awesome. Oh, I. You know what? I take it back. Yeah, you get the feeling that Dreams and Nightmares was the end. As soon as Brandon Cooks got spine busted onto the gridiron. I knew the game was over. I was like, we do not have that same aggression that these guys do. That was <laughs> that was something out of ECW type shit. It was incredible. He said, welcome to the show, pal. Boom. Dude. Oh, my God, yo. It was like, here comes the boom. Uh, Ronald Darby. Why? What? I can't believe he's still playing. He was on the Ravens this year. Really? That was a prime opportunity for you to say, what? Uh, I'm, I'm so shocked. I yeah. Just, oh, my God. Damn Michael God. Kendricks, who still somehow avoided uh, going to jail for insider trading. Yeah. What? Yeah, what? <laughs> like, you just... <laughs> That's a totally forgotten about storyline in the NFL universe. Jalen Mills, Green Goblin. What? what? Patriot. Uh... Who else? Who else? Who else am I forgetting? That's Derek Barnett. What? Russell Douglas. Why? No. no. Who? Russell Douglas, my guy. I don't. I don't. Know corner that. on that team. I was in the draft tent when he got drafted. Oh, out of boy. Okay. It's my dog. Plays for the Buffalo Bills now because the Packers traded him. Could have used him against the 49ers. Wide. Wide. Uh, who else was on that team that I need to, to salute? Oh, we're, we're, we're doing a little deep dive here. Uh, Jake Elliott. Why? 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 Love that. Donnie Jones. Why? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Tori Smith. Why? Tori Smith was on that. Tori Smith, big reason why we ended up in that Super Bowl, because ball bounced off Keanu Neal's knee in divisional round against the Falcons, and it landed right in Tori Smith's arms. Oh. Hmm. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, who I want to invest in this company. <laughs> Alshon, come on this show. What? That's a forgotten wide receiver. Dude, that he gave one of the best receiver. Super Bowl media day interviews of all time. Really? Where, because the Super Bowl's in Minnesota, they're indoors. He's wearing sunglasses, and they some reporter asked him about the weather. He's like, "We're playing inside." Oh, he's like, yeah. He was like, "This shit is terrible." He was like, "I'd rather just be at home and then come for the game." And he, and then the guy was like, "If it was out, but what if it was outside?" He's like, "But it's not." So, so it's, why are you asking? It, it was the greatest Super Bowl media day interview wow. of all time dude, i laugh I hysterically every time i watch that dude that's one thing i i love when players just bury the media like that as someone who's been in many a many 
press conferences where stupid so good. and just stupid questions get asked and you just you leave that interview like did i did i just lose brain cells from yeah, I saw, that i saw alshon on the tweet machine this week saying that we need to invest in uh invest in women yes alshon we have awesome women creators at this company we i would love alshon to be part of an executive board of underground one day dad put that to the ethos i like that alshon let's make it happen um more wise, uh, Halapulavati Vitae. Wide, <laughs> that's a mouthful. Big V, wide, uh, Stevan Wisniewski, wide, wide, uh, Brandon Brooks, wide, uh, Vinny Curry, wide, knows we exist, wide. That is that. What? Like, uh, that is a what? All time underrated Eagle because he's a dog. Tim Jernigan, wide, oh, wide. The grills. I, I do love Timmy Jared again. Uh, He's cool. Jordan Hicks. Wide. Rod. Nigel Bradham. Wide. Rod. Uh, Bo Allen. Wide. Bo Allen. Wide. I love that. Kenyon Barner. Wide. Rod. Brian Brayman. Wide. Now you're just naming names. I'm sorry. You're just naming Trey names. Burton. Wide. Oh, I, know I know Trey Burton. Uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of other players. The whole team, wide. wide. As Jason Kelsey once said, it's the whole team. It's the wide. Whole team. It's the whole team. Incredible. Uh, I mean, I got to say, that year alone, he deserved Carson Wentz. Wide. 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 What happened? What? What happened? <laughs> this is impeccable podcasting right here. Yeah, it's. it's just, and Kate uh, did just mention Zach Ertz carried that year. Yes, Zach did. Ertz carried wide. Wide. Um, shout out to the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles because they're a big reason why we exist. The number one reason we exist. And uh, today, six five years ago, was the happiest day of my life. Outside of the uh, 2008 World Series. I'm happy for you. Um, we are going to talk a little Sixers with good friend Sean Bernard. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned for that. And then Pitsy and I are going to come back and talk everything that has happened since I talked with Sean Bernard about Joel Embiid's knee and where the Sixers go from here and why this has to happen to us every goddamn year. Don't go anywhere. You're watching Underground Sports Philadelphia. All right, everybody. A little bit different uh, format of Underground Sports Philadelphia this week, but we're making it work. We're, we're rolling with the punches, and we're making things happen, and we're having friends of the pod on the show. Uh, I appeared on his podcast over the summer to talk some football. He's here to talk some basketball, some Sixers, and maybe some football along the way. It is my guy, PickSwap Media's own Sean Bernard. Welcome to the program, man. It's been a long time coming to uh, have you on Underground. I was on PickSwap earlier this year where we were proven right about Justin Herbert. Uh, right. But what's going on, man? Thanks for hopping on the show. Yeah, appreciate you having me on, Kyle. It's been, I've been a little bit, so happy to be here, happy to be chopping it up and uh, in the swing of uh, basketball season, which is kind of my, my number one personally. So still got the Super Bowl, obviously, to hold on to. So football ain't, isn't quite dead yet, but got to love hoop season and uh, happy to be on chopping it up. Exactly. And, you know, the Sixers are in the midst of 
you know, some down times right now, obviously with uh, last night as we record this on Wednesday afternoon last night with Joel Embiid and uh, Jonathan Kaminga falling on his knee. He clearly wasn't healthy to start the game. Uh, so there's a, a bit of panic around the Sixers right now. Uh, but overall, what are your takeaways so far as we sit here on January 31st with how much of a vibe switch it has been for the 76ers under Nick Nurse? Yeah, I mean, the Nick Nurse factor has been huge, that it has been night and day and how you see both sides of the floor. Offensively, just the more movement, the more motion, the more options from a creativity standpoint, and defensively, the ability to switch on the fly. It's literally every single stoppage that it feels like they change defensive formations, going from man-to-man to a 1-3-1 zone to a box-and-one, and it's every timeout, every stoppage, which is something I've never really seen before, which is very cool from him. That's obviously going to be a huge X factor come playoff time, having Nurse on the Sixers sideline and having a coaching advantage that I would say against just about any other coach in the NBA. I think he's that level of talent. Obviously, the Joel Embiid news uh, puts a little bit of a downtone on things for now, and we're awaiting word for what exactly that picture is going to be in the amount of time for that. So disappointing that we do catch on probably the lowest point of the Sixers season that you catch me in that mood. But overall, it has been a very successful season thus far. Luckily, you know, there's only a few more games, but obviously, you know, Embiid's on that, you know, countdown watch now from every other fan base where he's uh, potentially not going to be eligible for the MVP and he's been playing better this season, arguably, than he did in his MVP season last year. Um, But I think, you know, with this injury and with this kind of derailment for where Embiid is right now, it's nice that, you know, the All-Star game is upon us and he's going to have a little bit more time to kind of relax and, and rest and hopefully get healthy for the second half of the season, which oddly enough, trade deadline is right around the corner as well. There's been a ton of rumors with the Sixers and and who they could potentially trade for, what makes the most sense. Obviously, I think the two biggest names have been uh, Deontay Murray from the Hawks and Tyus Jones from the Wizards. And then there's obviously been the rumbling since before the James Harden trade of Zach Levine and everything with the Bulls. I think the lat- the the former two make more sense than the latter. What are your expectations for the trade deadline? And what would you like to see personally from the Sixers at the trade deadline to kind of make this team round out into what we all hope is getting past the second round form? Yeah, I think people are going to be underwhelmed by what the Sixers do with the trade deadline. Uh, my my mindset for what I think they should do and my mindset for what I think they will do are, are two different answers to this question. I'll start with what I think they will end up doing is I think they're going to end up upgrading the rotation a little bit, probably pick up one or two role players. I think Tyus Jones is the type of name that makes sense. There's a lot of buzz about a Kyle Lowry return, which to me doesn't move the meter to a major extent at this point in his career, unfortunately. Um, and then as far as like the, the what I actually would want them to do a couple other names i'll throw in that are possibilities that may be a little more excited Boyan bogdanovich is a guy that's getting some buzz that i actually would be happy with that malcolm brogdon another name that i think makes sense and is going to be a guy that is traded to some variation of a contender but frankly i feel that this team is close enough to make that type of all-in push and Dejounte murray would be my guy for that that i i think it makes a lot of sense to add another ball handler to this team a guy that can create his own shot play off ball as he's doing in atlanta right now and if you take the best version of Dejounte murray's game both from San Antonio and both from Atlanta. That's kind of the player the Sixers are missing. Uh, Maury's been very open about being concerned about keeping this flexibility, not committing to long-term contracts. That's something that Murray has going against him. Frankly, I don't think his contract's that bad that at max it'll hit 
$30 million in the 27-28 season, which for a player of his caliber, a guy that's a fringe all-star, that's totally justifiable in today's NBA. And to compare that to like Zach Levine, Zach Levine's going to make him $50 million plus in that same time frame. So I get being scared by the Zach Levines of the world. For me, DeJounte is the type of guy that it is worth it. But ultimately, I do think that these Sixers sit on their hands way more than people are going to be happy about come trade deadline time. Yeah, I, I agree with you on a lot of people are going to be underwhelmed by the trade deadline. And I think the other interesting aspect of this year's trade deadline too is while the Sixers are playing so well, you still have this expiring contract of Tobias Harris. And I think it would be a shock to a lot of people if the Sixers re-signed him after this season, um, just based on what numbers he can probably get on the open market and what his dad is going to be able to negotiate <laughs> for him next. Um, Greatest negotiator of all time. <laughs> unreal. Like in Sam Bradford levels of masterclass <laughs> negotiator. Uh, where do you see the Tobias kind of timeline as the trade deadline gets closer is he somebody that maury tries to move on from to get you know draft capital back to get a, a better player back potentially from a team that you know has been thrown around like the detroit pistons something like that or does tobias stick around and is part of this year's core of we're going all in we need a player like tobias harris to help us get over the top and potentially be a championship contending roster yeah, I would probably put the percentage, I would say like 80% Tobias is here after the trade deadline. I think it's much more likely than not that he sticks with the Sixers team. And there's a lot of reasons for that. The number one is obviously the financial, that the light is finally at the end of the tunnel for that contract. And getting $40 million off of, of cap relief, just letting him come off the books is not nothing to sneeze at. So I think that's appealing to Daryl Morey that when you're talking about trading Tobias, it's very unlikely that you're going to upgrade from a talent perspective that we know the money that comes with them. We know the strings that are clearly attached that with the NBA, there's so much of the, the financial aspect that plays a part that you have to match those type of salaries. So to get a player that's actually better than Tobias Harris based on his value around the league and coming with that number, I just don't see it as that likely. And Daryl Morey is very much a guy who wants to win the deal in just about every situation. So I kind of see it more likely as he sticks around not saying the chances are zero. And frankly, I would be very open to moving him for a guy that I perceive is a better fit. My frustrations with Tobias Harris always boil down to my point of what is his defining skill on the court that you need him out there? What is that one thing that he does better than anyone else? And I have a hard time answering that question, which to me is justifiable to look at another direction. But I, uh, to, I guess in the end here, I think that uh, the financial cap relief situation is going to be too much to pass up on and that he sticks around. The the other interesting name that uh, my co-host Matt Kesterine and I talk about a ton is somebody who's fallen out of favor with a team that's still in the mix. They're the eight seed right now. They have been the number one victims of Patrick Beverly's belt to ass tour, the <laughs> Orlando Magic. Um, how funny and how fitting would it be for a Markel Fultz reunion with the 76ers? It would be a little full circle moment for sure. Uh <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. Like, I do think this team needs another ball handler. Uh, Markel is athletic enough, and it kind of has figured out himself enough to still be, like, a positive player in the NBA. And Markel's not a guy who left with all, like, the Ben Simmons situation and all the, the frustration with them. Markel was always a good kid who had some medical things go wrong with his shoulder, and it's really disappointing how things went. He definitely has fallen out of favor, and Orlando is definitely a team that I think should be in the seller's market, that I think they have a ton of young talent, but they're at the point where they need to start building those pieces in a way that they fit together. They just have a lot of overlapping strengths and weaknesses when you talk about their roster construction. So Markel is absolutely a guy I see on the outside looking in. I don't know if he ultimately gets moved, but if I would have no issue with it if he wants to come back to Philadelphia. 
Yeah, and I mean, the the one interview, I forget what show it was on or if it was a podcast or whatever, and he talked about, like, I always have mad love for the fans. Like, I yeah. love Philadelphia. Like, I think as soon as people saw that interview with Markel a couple of years ago, it was like, oh, like, we like this guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he doesn't have the same, like you said, that same ill will that Ben Simmons has and, and some other people who have left Philadelphia on just, like, not great terms. Yeah. Um, so I think, I, I think it would be great because I think that is one of the – lacking positions on the Sixers team behind Tyrese Maxey and I think Patrick Beverly has been everything you could have hoped for and then some for this team not only on the court but like in practice on the bench locker room having a voice with his podcast with Roan like I think that has like paid dividends in a strange way where typically it's like oh we have this distraction player as a podcast you know airing out blah 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 I think it's worked for the Sixers to have that happen, but I think they need the person in between Maxi and Pat Bev to kind of be the the hybrid of both of them where Maxi is ultra offensive. Pat Bev is obviously a defensive stalwart at the point guard position. You kind of need like a combination of the two to be your your next guy off the bench with whoever you're running on that second unit. And I think the the fit of Markel Fultz makes a lot of sense too. Yeah, and, and I'll say, I'll point out that I think that that need has been specifically highlighted of late because of Anthony Melton's injury, that I think it's a little bit cleaner when he's in the lineup, that he does have a little bit more of a two-way skill set than, although I, I will give Maxi a little bit of respect in how much defensively he's mm-hmm. improved this year, and I'll honestly throw a little bit of credit to Pat Bev to that as well, that I think that you can see some influence there, and I totally agree with everything that you said about Pat Bev. That's one of the, the reasons that I've kind of soured on Kyle Lowry, and I'm pretty pretty much against that signing again i'll take him i wouldn't be mad if he's Mm -hmm. wearing a sixers jersey but i just don't think there's much on a basketball court at this point in his career that kyle lowry does better than patrick beverly so um i'm open to another ball handler i think when i lay out my my wish list it's probably falls third on my list that number one i want a volume three-point shooter and number two i want like a legitimate wing defender a guy that has a chance of going blow for blow with Jason Tatum as difficult as as that may be when we inevitably get a Celtics Sixers series come playoff time so I'm a little concerned about those options above a ball handler but ideally you get a guy that can do a little bit of everything yeah I mean you look at the way that this team inevitably will end up more than likely as a top three team in the east you know by the time the season comes to an end the Sixers if you look at their schedule there's some definite like definite like streaks where they can go on and rattle off some wins get back into that top three right now they're the five seed I don't see that being the inevitable you know ending up spot for them um but I think every button for the most part that Daryl Morey has pushed for this team so far from Nick Nurse to a Patrick Beverly to Kelly Oubre I am all on board with Daryl Morey pulling out the checkbook right now and extending Kelly Oubre. I think he is the perfect fit for this team and is almost like a 2018 revival of what Robert Covington was to this Sixers team when they had the Ursans and the, you know, Marco Bellinelli's with Embiid and he's obviously a, a much more versatile player than Rocco was at that point. But I feel like they need to do whatever it takes to convince Kelly Oubre to stay because he is such a perfect fit for this roster. Yeah, I'm interested to see what his mindset is that I think this very clearly was like a rebuilding stock in himself coming to Philadelphia that 
Ubre has got a, a far more negative perception around the NBA than I think he deserves that he was the only player in the NBA last year to score 20, 20 or more points per game and be on a veteran's minimum that that just straight up doesn't really happen. And to see that happen to Ubre, I think he felt the, the pain of that. So he's definitely trying to prove people wrong. I'll say defensively specifically, he's been far more bought in than I expected to be the case. He's been very good on that side of the ball and likely will be a guy that when we talk about these Jason Tatums, these playoff matchups that He'll get a swing up there. He'll get an attempt up there. So I'm curious. I think Ubre specifically is a guy who is going to be in it for the money this offseason. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And uh, I'm I'm curious to see what his market value is around the league. But I've liked having Kelly here. Uh, he's cooled down definitely a little bit of late. And I think um, we're also seeing that with the injuries and the string of things that you can get too much Kelly Ubre. that we're seeing that. But when the roster is fully together and constructed as properly, he's been awesome on this team. So looking forward to the team as a whole getting back to that and definitely have enjoyed the, the Kelly Ubre experience as a whole. And one of uh, Kelly's former teams is another guy that Matt and I have talked about as a potential option uh, for this team. And it would be very strange to allow another former Celtic to infiltrate this roster. But how would you feel about Gordon Hayward on this Sixers team? Yeah, I would be interested. There's a little bit of buzz about him potentially getting bought out, which I think would be awesome. I, as a buyout target, that would probably be the best buyout option I've seen in my lifetime as far as a guy. I yeah. think Gordon Hayward can still play and can still kind of start. I think he would be a better option than Tobias Harris in that realm. Um, he's not a guy that I say is such like a needle mover that you need, need to go out and get him. If you want to talk yourself into Tobias swap as a, a better positional fit or a better just fit next to Joel Embiid. I can kind of agree with you there. I don't think that's going to be Maury's mindset that he's more content with keeping the pieces in place. But if it's a buyout market opportunity, that should be they should be the first ones on the phone for that. And I would have no issue if he finds a way in a trade as well. So I'm open to Gordon Hayward, but I don't think I'm as high on him as some people are. Looking at you know where this team is right now, 29 and 17. Um, you know we're just a few games away from the All Star break. I think it's like what four or five games away. Um, how would you? Oh, what, what would your grade on the first half be for this Sixers team so far? It's interesting. Like if you asked me probably a week and a half ago, I'd be B plus A minus. I've definitely pumped the brakes a little bit on that. I think through no real fault of their own. Like we're seeing the injuries and then we're seeing how they're not quite as deep as I think we thought they were to start the season, that there are some issues with the depth of people getting overplayed at this point in time. That is natural. Like that's what happens with injuries. That's why starters are starters. And when they're healthy that they do start. So we kind of are seeing that case of things. I definitely am very much concerned with the Joel Embiid side of things and what his injury status is. I definitely want to wave the white flag on any MVP race stuff and focus on him being healthy for playoffs. I'm I'm pretty still frustrated by him even playing in that Warriors game. I think that was some organizational malpractice on just even letting him suit up for that game. So disappointed in that approach. That definitely takes some points off. I guess to, to fully answer your question, I'll go a nice B minus on the season so far, which I still think is well above the perception of what I would have given coming in the year. Don't think there were a ton of expectations for this team in this first year under Nick Nurse. So they've definitely outperformed what I expected. I know it's a, a couple games in the past now, but I wanted to get your take on it as somebody who's in the media like myself and uh, just the the weirdness behind that, that press conference question from uh, the member of the Nuggets media and just the weird perception that Nuggets fans have this like weird disdain for Joel Embiid. I, I do find it weird. I saw a tweet that was like, you know, Nuggets fans should be well removed from this your guy won two mvps and has a, a championship ring on his finger 
there's no need for them to to hate on Embiid. I don't I don't get it. It's weird. Um, what was your overall thoughts on that press conference in general? Knowing that you know you're in this media space just like I am, and I for one would never even fathom thinking of a question like that to ask an opposing team's coach. Yeah. Uh, and it clearly left Nick Nurse kind of speechless and like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. um, and you could see it on his face and was kind of like ready to move to the next question. What was your kind of takeaway from that situation? Yeah, so I'll start with that. Like the Sixers absolutely made Joel Embiid look bad in that. But, like if you think there's a 1% chance of him not playing in that game, you list him on the injury report. It's as simple as that. And then to to for it to go to the extent of there being lineups announced where Joel Embiid is in the starting lineup, as Keith Pompey tweeted out and a couple other media members, and then for him to be a last-minute pull 15 minutes before the game, definitely horrible, the whole optics of that. And you just really set your guy up for failure by allowing it to play out like that. I understand there's a lot behind the scenes and Joel specifically has one of the more collaborative approaches toward if he plays or not, so that the unfortunate reality and people just brush over this way too much is he's seven foot two, 285 pounds and has a history of health issues that he's not one of these six foot two guards that can jump out of bed and run forever every day. He ha- has issues with his body, so he's never fully hundred percent. And it's always that give and take of, is this safe for him to play? Is it not? So I get the frustrations with how that played out. There's ways to ask the question he was trying to ask. That was absolutely not it and pretty out of bounds to say that. The questioning his character, what does this say about character? I will give Nick Nurse a lot of credit for his response of Joel Embiid was injured tonight and pretty much moving on. I thought that was a classy way of dealing with it, but especially that same dude, and I'm, I'm not going to name drop him on here because I was taking my my jabs on uh, Twitter with him last night, but um, for him to kind of like run the victory laps after Embiid's actually hurt last night is pretty disrespectful stuff. And as a whole, I try to be in general, pretty positive on the, the social media platforms, but there is a special place in of hatred for the Nuggets, just whole conversation and overall, just a lot of people talking about Joel in a way that they just straight up shouldn't. And it's so weird, like from our perspective, like I don't really have hate for the Nuggets. Like I think it's a fun, like interconference rivalry that has spurned from all of this. And like mm-hmm. when the Sixers play the Nuggets, it's like, oh, let's, you know, get the popcorn ready and, and watch the game. <laughs> but it is such a weird thing where like, Philly media is very unfazed by all of it. And Denver media just like has this, like they're ready to go to war against Philadelphia. And it is the strangest thing ever. I don't know if it got elevated during baseball season last year when Bryce Harper called the Rockies a loser organization too. Like they Denver media and there's maybe one person in Denver media that like, has fun with it and it's because she's from here and that is the goat Susie Hunter who works for DNVR and covers the Rockies but she's from here and like plays both sides of it and I think it's hilarious and she even acknowledges it it's like oh yeah Denver media like they just have this weird they are the the stereotypical like basketball nerds that took over covering basketball as soon as the process started and they are the living embodiment of that stereotype yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And this has been going back. I mean, it's all from the, the basketball side of things definitely started from the Jokic versus Embiid debate, that, mm-hmm. which these two have been perennial MVP contenders for the past four years, that it's been the last three seasons, these two as the, the best two players in the NBA, and they straight up are that those are the best two players in the NBA. It's stylistic in who your preference is as those players. Me, I'm a guy that I am going to ride with Joel Embiid every single day of the week. And my full take on those two in comparison is I believe 
Joel Embiid has a peak as a player in which Nikola Jokic just straight up can't reach. But Jokic is more consistently better than Embiid. That I will roll over and admit that there's more highs and lows with Joel. But when he plays to the best of his ability, that's a level where Jokic just can't touch. And I mean that from the defensive side of things. And you touched on the analytics a little bit. That's definitely been a huge frustration of mine that I don't care what Vorp or LeBron or Raptor you spit at me that I watch the games, man. And I can tell you that this dude's better than this dude. I've watched Joel Embiid drop 47 in Jokic's grill sitting on press row in Wells Fargo. Like we've seen these things happen. You can't rewrite history, type out on your calculator and tell me what you think. And you can have your opinion of things, but I think the way that it's presented as like fact rubs me the wrong way a a ton. And there's so much analytics and approach that like, there's obviously a place in sports for analytics, but I think it's overdone and a ton by a lot of the Denver people and specifically like the hatred that they have directed at Joel in a super personal way really rubs me the wrong way. So I hate that it's out there. I wish the discourse would change in a major way. And I feel like we should have hit that point where it did once that like MB did get the MVP and Jokic obviously has the, the, the leg up by getting the championship last year. And Jokic honestly is winning this argument based on what the accolades say. So they should be on their high horse a little bit and not digging in the mud the way that they are, but definitely sucks all around. Yeah. And I, I think it just might be that Denver air, you know, it's, it's the elevation <laughs> getting into their brains. Um, I want to get your take on this uh, because I think it's absolute comedy that a team that has been top three in the Eastern conference, the entire season fires their coach and then goes and hires doc rivers. Um, <laughs> what was your initial reaction how silly do you think it was for them to pull the plug so early and how ridiculous is it that they chose doc rivers of all people to go and coach that team yeah all great points there um i do think adrian griffin was kind of set up for failure there that uh it's a tough spot as a first-time head coach having legitimate championship expectations in that first season that's just a super high bar to try and reach and frankly they were 31 and 13 at the time of firing so the results were looking pretty strong in his favor it's clear that the locker room kind of lost trust in him and didn't believe him to be that guy the the that they definitely viewed it as we have such a limited window to win a championship that it's not worth finding this out in the postseason when we think we already know but on the other side of things I don't know what in recent years you can watch from Doc Rivers and think that's the missing piece to get us over the edge. So for me, from the Sixers perspective, that points more toward it's time to go all in this season and give yourself a real chance at contending. But yeah, I can't believe it happened. I do feel bad for Adrian Griffin. think he was dealt a bad hand and some of the stuff that he's catching criticism for, like the defensive slippage. Like when you go from Drew Holiday to Dame Lillard as your guard, you're going to get worse defensively. That's just how it's going to go. Drew Holiday, who's one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, to Damian Lillard, who is in the exact opposite end of that spectrum. So feel a little bit bad for Griffin. Hope he lands on his feet and pretty happy that uh, if there does end up being a Doc Rivers versus Nick Nurse playoff series. It was hilarious to me that Doc Rivers also had the audacity to say, I wouldn't wish for anybody to be in this situation. I've never yeah. been in this. Brother, you're coaching one of the top three players in the NBA right now alongside a top 20 at worst player in Dame Lillard. Like Two of the top 75 ever. Like, <laughs> I, if I'm an NBA coach, I'm like foaming at the mouth at that opportunity. Um, especially coming from Doc Rivers, who not only in recent history coached, obviously, Embiid and Harden and Maxi, but your claim to fame was coaching the first super team in the NBA with the big three in Boston alongside Rajon Rondo, who you can argue it was a big four. 
buddy, you're used to coaching superstars. I don't know what you wouldn't wish this on for anybody. I thought that quote was pure comedy from Doc Rivers. Yeah, and he's already kind of laying the groundwork to have the excuse that, you know, I came in midseason, I didn't have a chance to get everything in place, and the same with, like, it also rubs me the wrong way how he was brought in as an advisor and then is taking Griffin's job, like, before the season's even over. Like, the whole way it played out, super frustrating. I don't have a ton of nice things to say about Doc, both from a coaching perspective and my vibe of him from having the interviews and talking to him in the press room and those kind of things. Just not a guy who seems to be, you know, the straightest of laced or the nicest to other people. So don't love it. We'll be happy to see the Bucks get eliminated when, whenever that is and what round that is. And I uh, feel pretty good about it from the Sixers perspective. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I've said a number of times on this show that doc rivers was, is the basketball equivalent to Joe Girardi in baseball. Yeah. Like the, the vibe that they both give off is very off putting. It's very like non inviting to go and talk to them. It feels like, um, and, they live off of the success of one championship that was over a decade ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember like the, the two moments that stand out, there's a couple moments. Number one is like the, would you ask pop that question with Austin Krell? when he asked like how much of that loss would you take responsibility for, which you're just not Greg Popovich, doc rivers. Like you're just not like, I get you have you, you've seen and played far more basketball than anyone else in this room. But like, that doesn't mean that you're immune from being questioned or or at least having to respond to that in an appropriate way. Just answer the question and deal with it like a professional. And number two, there was always this like he would absolutely push back on questions and like make you feel so little in a way that it's like you're talking to people who are also like paid to talk about sports, man. Like this isn't like your random like guy at a bar on a corner or whatever. Like you're talking to people that this is their career. This is their profession and talking so down to them. So like I get it from his perspective. I understand that like. He has this impressive legacy, has been around the NBA forever and all these things, but there's definitely an off-putting way in the way that he carries himself in a demeaning way that I didn't appreciate, and he frankly just does not have the result to back that up either. Yeah, it's good that he's gone, and we've clearly seen the the benefit of having a coach that actually coaches now with Nick Nurse. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Uh, You know, I feel like we have to touch on this and we have to take a victory lap of our own. We were right about Justin Herbert this summer. Uh-huh. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I can't <laughs> wait till next year when uh, Jim Harbaugh has taken the cake and people are finding ways to blame him. Cause I've dug my heels pretty far in on the take that Justin Herbert just isn't that dude still feel that way and only have more evidence to why I feel that way after this season. And that Chargers team just straight up should be better than they are. So I kind of pulled you onto that show thinking like that was one of the clips I wanted to pull. That was one of the topics I wanted to get into. And, we were on the exact same page with that, so hat tip to you as well, my friend. Yes, very happy we were we were right on that, and I am a little intrigued to see Justin Herbert with an actual head coach uh, and see how he performs, because if he doesn't perform now, I don't think he ever will. It's, yeah. it's over, um, but the Eagles do have a connection now to Justin Herbert, and they're taking his offensive coordinator last year. What are your thoughts on Kellen Moore? I don't know. I... I I've I've had kind of a sour taste on how this whole coaching just handling of the Nick Sirianni situation and like too much of I get like he's not the only coach for this to be the case, but it feels like he's just gonna be such like a, a little bit of a puppet to everything and that, that he's not as much of the guy calling the shots as I would like for a head coach to be in control of. I get that's kind of how structurally how the Eagles are made up, but I think there's flaws in that as well. And obviously this team has won a Super Bowl in the somewhat recent future, pretty recent future to be honest. So like they have the results. They have the way that they want to do things, but I, I just like 
kind of have a sour taste in my mouth for how everything went down. Don't have a ton on like Kellen Moore on how I feel as a whole. I think it'll be fine. I think he'll be far better than Brian Johnson, and it's still an upgrade over last year. Absolutely. Vic Fangio kind of feels similar on the defensive end that they're both upgrades, but I think like in reality that there's some roster issues more so on the defensive side of the ball that I think need to be addressed before I need to be addressed before I start getting my hyped up about this team again. Yeah, I think with Kellen Moore, I'm pretty excited about it from a standpoint of uh, we're actually going to be able to see Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown run routes again and have an actual route tree rather than just running, you know, nine routes down the sideline. And I think it was pretty telling today. I don't know if you saw the clip, but A.J. and Devontae were both on Kay Adams' show. Mm -hmm. You could clearly tell they could not stand Brian Johnson. (laughs) Yeah, I also thought it was crazy, the – AJ Brown, the trade discussion question too, that I didn't love even just bringing that up to him to be perfectly honest, but um, wasn't the uh, most glowing review of, I want to be in Philadelphia from AJ Brown either. I think he did that on purpose, honestly, Yeah, because yeah. even if he said, Oh, I, I, I don't take any credence to it or whatever, people were still going to find their, their way around of, you know, making it about, Oh, AJ's just saying that to say it. I put the blame on the official radio partner of the Philadelphia Eagles for even floating <laughs> that hypothetical out there. Right. And I love Jack Fritz. He's my guy. Buddy, you got to be better than that. Like, you can't be floating stuff out there without actual, like, knowledge behind it. A.J. Brown logistically can't get traded this offseason even if the eagles wanted to which i don't think they do uh he has a 42 million dollar dead cap hit if you trade him that's not happening that is anti howie roseman to a t and why would aj brown want to leave playing with his best friend and by the way this is the same aj brown that broke an nfl record to start the season for most consecutive 125 plus consecutive games uh 125 plus yards receiving consecutive games so yeah he's still that dude to some extent he had a right to be frustrated down the stretch sure you can nitpick and be upset with how he handled himself but like if he if things were going more the way that aj wanted them to go the eagles are likely a better team because of it so like i get the frustration i get that he didn't handle himself like the consummate professional in the way that you hope but he's still that level of talent that you absolutely put on up with it. And that's part of being a star wide receiver, man. Like that, that's just kind of how the game's played. That's how that position works. And he is the level of talent that it's worth it in my mind. And if you're putting up numbers like that, you genuinely have earned the right to yeah. act and display yourself. However you want. We haven't had a wide receiver in this town, like AJ Brown outside of the one year of TO back in 2004. Let A.J. Brown do what A.J. Brown does, and that's Mm. score touchdowns, put up a 1,000-plus yards a season, and has fun across the way. Uh, And I need just A.J. Brown to be here for the rest of his career because that's what he deserves, that's what Eagles fans deserve, and that's what Jalen Hurts deserves is to have a superstar wide receiver to throw the ball to, and hopefully he can do that for the next decade. And we're thriving and we're winning Super Bowls, and that's at the end of the day what matters. Yeah, absolutely. And as much as the vibes took a direct 180, like midway through that season, along with the results of things like let's not forget early on when the vibes were high, where A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts were having fun on the sideline. Things were clicking. Everyone was getting along. That still happened this season. So, like, Mm -hmm. it's not that much of a far cry for everything to get back together. And winning is the best cure to everything. So if they start the season hot next year, they replace a couple guys this offseason, get things going. The offense looks cleaner. All of a sudden, this is all long gone in the past and everyone's happy again. So as much as like 
that season went as bad as it could possibly go down the stretch there. There's still some decent bones in this team, and they're not as far off as I think people, and sometimes myself included, make it seem. And everybody at the end of the day, we could be the Chargers. So take credence <laughs> in that. We could be the Chargers. Uh, Sean, you're the best. We'll have to do this again for sure. Let everybody know where they can follow you on the socials. Check out everything you're doing with PickSwap, with Philly Sports Network, uh, and, of course, uh, everything you're doing on radio. Yeah, absolutely. appreciate you for having me on once again, Kyle. And you guys can uh, follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore Bernard one. You can check me check me out on the Fox 1025, the Gambler Airwaves here in Philadelphia, as well as on PickSwap Media and Sixers Digest, doing a ton of coverage for them on uh, those side of things. So a lot of Sixers breakdowns there. Doing a little bit over on the Fox Sports uh, radios of everything, some NFL, some picks, all those things over there. And Twitter is probably the best way to tap in for things. So either PickSwap Media or Sean underscore Bernard one on the socials and uh, active in the sports world as much as I can get. You're the best, man. We'll do this again for sure. And uh, go Sixers. Absolutely. Shout out Sean Bernard for hopping on the show. Make sure you guys are following him. He does great stuff at PickSwap Media. A uh, good friend of the program. Uh, but since Sean and I have spoken and recorded that portion of the episode that you're listening to right now, we got an update on Joel Embiid's knee uh, where he has, I want to pull up the full-on specific issue, uh, he's got a meniscus flap tear, which sounds so made up, and just this only happens to the Sixers, and I don't know why, and I'm so tired and, and just distraught about just this happens every fucking year, some weird-ass injury that, it, you know, I we talk about this all the time, Pitsy, you and I, when it comes to when we went to college and everything, and it's like, why did we have to take biology? And it's for dumb shit like this, mm-hmm. that it's like, they do the Fortnite L dance on our graves, and it's like, should have paid more attention in biology, you idiots, because yeah. now we got to learn about <laughs> meniscus flap tears. Bro, that sounds so video game made up. I I've never even heard. And I just of a I flap. Okay. A flap tear, like uh, you just flap it around yeah. in your meniscus down there. It's like what? It froze. We love technical difficulties, but it wouldn't we be love... underground sports. So, what love... was the last thing you heard me say? Uh something about flaps. Yeah. So and how it just flapping around down there yeah. in his meniscus. Uh, meniscus. Uh torn meniscus flap or a, a displaced flap of the meniscus in his left knee um to which i asked injury expert the og batman ben, oh i said what do you know about this and he said it's basically if someone tries to walk and that happens their knee buckles and then they can't walk and they gotta like adjust their knee and everything like makes your knee buckle when it's displaced uh yeah as somebody who has had a knee injury in the past, not fun. Um, so they're oh. they're weighing two options. One is letting him rest for a couple weeks and trying to get the swelling down um, to then kind of see where it is. Uh, but they are considering surgery to repair the issue. Um, I asked my dad the injury timeline of what that would be, and I said... I saw people saying anywhere from four to six weeks. I saw anybody. I saw people saying three to six months. What is the thing here? And um, OG said that for normal person who's not putting 
pressure and weight on their knee like that all the time like Embiid is because he's mobile and active and mm-hmm. as big as he is it's going to uh, be a longer recovery time but he said for a normal person it's it's like a four week thing if you get surgery. Okay. For Embiid it could be longer and it's because he's playing basketball on the daily. He's a bigger mm-hmm. human in terms of size and weight like he's 7'2", 285 pounds. Um, so he's got that constant pressure banging down on his knee. And I want to say fuck the Denver media for making this happen because they were like, oh, he's ducking Jokic, he's ducking Jokic. And then the Sixers stupidly gave into the pressure like they have in the past and were like, all right, Joel, nationally televised game against the Warriors, go and play. And it was clear that he was injured, and then Jonathan Kaminga falls on his knee. Not malicious. I don't blame Kaminga whatsoever. Uh, And then this happens, and now you're without your superstar, and you're free-falling in the standings because you're without your superstar. Other guys are injured, and it just makes me want to gouge my eyeballs out with a watermelon baller parody. That's I, I, I feel for you. I, I do feel for you. It does suck too, because I MB just wants to play. And the one thing that I take away from this is actually a question I have for you. <clears throat> what the hell does this mean for his MVP bullshit? It's over. Like, don't even worry about the MVP. Well, more in the sense, so if he misses like a certain amount of games. The dumb MVP. rule that the NBA implemented because people were crybabies about guys winning the MVP and not playing uh, a full season, if you will. Uh, So you have to play at least 65 games now in order to be eligible for the MVP and other awards. Okay. Which is just the NBA telling on themselves that 79% of the schedule matters. Mm -hmm. The rest of it, it's like, okay, you can rest. So you're telling us that portion, that 65 games are important but a full 82-game schedule, eh, no big deal. That's what that tells me. It's a dumb rule. I think no other sport does that. It's stupid, mm-hmm. and it's just them giving into the pressure of crybaby fans being like, I didn't get to see my favorite player play when my parents bought me tickets for Christmas. Wah. Grow up. Grow up. On that side, what if he's like? Sure, it sucks, but like these are like professional athletes. Like there, there's gonna be rest days. There's gonna be moments where they're waiting for the playoffs. Like shit happens, kid. Welcome to life. Life's as Boy Meets World once said. Life's tough. Get a helmet. Great line. Great line. So yeah, I I don't care about the MVP. Joel was having a better MVP season this year than he was last year, but it's all for nothing. Uh, don't even worry about it, and just get him healthy for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. At this point, like now you're gonna have to make bigger moves at the trade deadline to help, you know, ease the the loss of Embiid right now. On top of what you were already trying to do at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. so that's annoying. Uh, my number one thing would be to call the Chicago Bulls now that Zach Levine is out for the season and having foot surgery. Uh, bring Andre Drummond back. Mm. Get him back here ASAP, no Rocky, and make him, you know, the guy starting. He can still play. He's a beast um, and can fill in for Embiid, and it allows you to uh, properly manage B-ball Paul minutes to where he's not getting exposed on the daily. And yeah. 
you can still bounce back and forth. He was on this team before, so mm-hmm. go get Andre Drummond. That is like my number one priority for this team. That right makes now. sense to get Andre Drummond. <clears throat> oh. Shout out Kate actually, because she puts a uh, a note here uh, that ESPN has a post that Tyrese Halliburton, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, Donovan Mitchell, and Devin Booker all are on the bubble of ineligibility for the award. To me, that sparks a question of like, all right, at this point, just because those guys didn't play a certain amount of games, like, do you give the MVP award to someone who doesn't? Yeah, they're you're gonna, going to. You're going to give it to somebody who doesn't. They're going to give it to Jokic. But okay, or yeah, not that he doesn't like Jokic is still playing great, but they're going to give it to Jokic as a makeup for not giving it to him last year. And then all the internet analytical nerds will be like, haha, well, actually, we told you that Jokic was the MVP last year, and now he is again. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's like, shut the fuck up. It's literally the Mr. Incredible meme. Shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. I hate, I hate NBA nerds. I, it's, dude, ticky-tacky data nerds. Great voice for that. You, that sounds like Dmitry Petrovich. That's, that's what I get from hearing that voice. Literally just like... The fucking dude from Despicable Me in the orange jumpsuit. I'm not seeing Despicable Me. That is that is a wild statement from you. I have, dude. I know. That is I a know, movie right up your alley. Oh, the whole trilogy is at this point. There's a yeah. fourth one coming out. Yeah, he's got a kid. Yeah, you've missed I, a lot. I have missed a lot. I gotta jump on you, that. You are a minion. It's uh, yeah. Those are my peeps. Those literally, peeps. you're um, a minion. Is that what they're? Min- yeah, I feel like they're called something else. See, that's the thing. I haven't even. Okay, we got to get on that. This fucking guy. Just, um, but yeah, Embiid's out. It sucks. Um, but yes, Andre Drummond. Get on the phone, Daryl. Call Chicago. See what it's going to take, and get him back here because you can't. You can't go the the rest of the way right now and trade deadlines in like three days, I think, as we're recording this. So mm-hmm. you can't go months on the, the worst end of things without a replacement for Joel Embiid. You, you can't operate that way, and I, I hope Daryl knows that. I think he knows that. Um but you're going to have to make moves along with the moves you're already planning to make and figuring out how to make them happen. But mm-hmm. Andre Drummond is now number one on my wish list for the trade deadline because you need somebody to Good fill in for Embiid's minutes for his presence in the paint, and Drummond can do that. I'm going to pull up Andre Drummond's stats right now playing Ooh. for the Chicago Bulls because – He's on the Bulls, dude. They have no need for I mean, they just Zach lost out for the year. They just I was about to say they just lost Zach Levine, so like what are you competing for? Do you Who want do you want have? a wild uh thing to like come to the realization of? Ooh, I love realizations. Andre Drummond and I are the same age. Okay, that's a weird one to, to soak in right now. Doesn't he feel like way older? He does feel wait, whoa, whoa wait. Yeah, I thought Andre Drummond was like thirty six. Yeah, he's I, I thirty. Literally... Damn. Damn. Damn, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. He's been around the league for a minute, too. Wow. 30. He's a spring chicken for 30. So, 
Andre Drummond's averaging like 16 minutes a game this year uh, for the Bulls. He's only started in seven games because they have uh, Vucevic as their mm-hmm. starting center. Um, but points-wise for Andre Drummond, like he's averaging 7.7 points a game. In, like He's averaging almost like a point for every two minutes he's playing. Oh, it's not bad. That's not terrible. Um, how many rebounds? And he's averaging eight point three total rebounds a game. Okay, even more playing time. More playing time that goes up, a hundred percent. I for the minutes he he's playing with those numbers. Like if, if you crank that up to him playing like twenty four minutes a game, playing like half the game, split it with him and B Ball Paul. Like he's averaging a double double. Yeah, that's more than enough to get a guy for a replacement. Absolutely. I mean, he's shooting like 56% from the free throw line, which is obviously a drop-off for Embiid because Embiid is a stud at making his free throws. Um, But I think Andre Drummond makes a ton of sense to be the guy you bring to to fill in for Embiid while he's out. Um, So bring bring him home. Bring him home, Daryl. And uh, I think he would be greeted with a rousing applause of uh, of Sixers fandom. Oh, absolutely. Um, let's shift to baseball, Pitsy. It is brought to you by our pals over at Kenwood Beer, the official beer partner of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's a refreshing light beer, just 4.1% ABV, only 120 calories, just 8 grams of carbs. Go get Kenny's for the big game. Gear up, get your Kennys loaded for your your big game parties, and you can also see who's got it on tap. Say you're going out for the game, you can see who's got it on tap in the Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Maryland, and New Jersey areas by using the Kenny Finder at KenwoodBeer.com. Check out their storefront as well for awesome apparel. The uh, pint glasses are still available on their website, which are absolutely awesome. I want to order two more of those, so I have a full set. Mm. Uh, KenwoodBeer.com. Pitsy, your your big day's coming up too. You gotta get the Kelly Green Kenwood oh, sweatshirt. I do. My big day is only a month and a half or something away. I'm very excited. Need you gotta to be in the streets telling that. the people about how amazing Kenny's are. I mean, yeah, I really have to go be a salesman there because they are really good. And I I need more of it in my life. I just wish I was in the South Jersey Philly area to get me some. And Ken well, you'll have them at WrestleMania. Oh, Kenny's on deck for Mania weekend. What? 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 There we go. Doing a Stone Cold Steve Austin with Kenny's wide. Oh, that needs to happen. That just <laughs> that is mwah. That's a good idea. And I mean, Kenwood Beer official uh pals over for our uh, our live tailgate podcast as well. We'll be part of that once again this year, March 30th, 2024 in the lots as the Phils take on the Braves. So you're up for that. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. Pitsy, there's there's rumors afoot. There's rumors afoot with the fightings. Uh, allegedly, according to Bob Nightingale, and shout out to at Philly's tailgate on the tweet machine, they have done a phenomenal job like curating the Phillies rumors and news into one centralized point from all the reporters out there. Mm-hmm. But according to Bob Nightingale, so take it with a grain of salt there. Because we all know Bob has his his mess ups. Uh, allegedly, 
Phillies could be a dark horse in the mix for two of the big free agents remaining on the board, which is a plethora of free agents remaining on the board still. But, Pitsy, you know the names who the Phils are allegedly in the mix for, according to Bob Nightingale. That is one, Jordan Montgomery. And you know Ooh. how badly I want Jomo on this squad. You've been, you've been saying that for a couple weeks now. And been. one of my favorite players ever. I don't see I don't see where he fits, but if they can get him, let's let's fucking ride. That is Cody Bellinger. Really? Allegedly. Really? That's an interesting little tidbit. So Jordan Montgomery and Cody Bellinger are allegedly in the mix for the Phillies as they are a dark horse for both of them. I'd say one or the other. I wouldn't say they'd be signing both, but to potentially land one of those two big dogs are the Philadelphia Phillies, which would be immaculate for this team. Mm -hmm. I still think they need to go and get some sort of bullpen help. Um, Phil Maton signed with the Rays, and I don't think there's ever been a more obvious sub-2 ERA season loading than for Phil Maton going to the Tampa Bay Rays. But uh, I want to see when this happened, because I've seen so many people online losing their goddamn minds about the bullpen for the Phillies. And I get it. I get it. You know, you lose Kimbrell, who gave you 69 innings nice, uh, this past season, but he imploded in the playoffs and the Phillies are better off that he's not here. But I want to see when this happened. So it happened about a month ago, a year ago, if that makes sense. If you're picking up what I'm putting out, January 7th, 2023, the Phillies traded for Gregory Soto, who was a fine piece to this bullpen. There's room for a similar type of trade to happen at some point this offseason. This offseason is giving 2019 when Bryce Harper and Manny Machado were free agents and everybody just waiting and waiting and waiting for them to sign. It's giving Jake Arrieta offseason, you know, waiting, waiting, waiting. Jake Arrieta didn't sign until March of that season. Really? Yeah, like March 14th. Well, that's late. So... There's still time. It's not ideal. Like, we're recording this, and we're 10 days away from the first spring training wow. workout for the Phils. Wow. It's not ideal that it's waiting this long for free agents to sign. But if the market keeps falling, you're going to be able to get these guys for a lot cheaper than what they expected mm-hmm. and kind of do an all-in type of push, and you're signing these guys to maybe one, two-year deals. Mm-hmm. I think it could it could play in the Phillies' favor in a lot of ways. We're getting guys on low annual type of deals for big money, probably. I'd say Cody Bellinger is going to command like if you give him a one year deal, it's probably going to be like, or it, it would probably be like a one and one where like if he plays well, toodles, I'm leaving and going back to free agency. But you do a one and one kind of like what Reese Hoskins just did with the Brewers for more money, probably like fifty, sixty million. Oh, a thousand percent, yeah. And then, uh, you know, if we can get Jordan Montgomery on this team, that helps a ton with, like, alleviating the pressure of the bullpen because then your rotation is probably Wheeler, Jordan Montgomery, Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez, Taiwan Walker, Christopher Sanchez now in the bullpen. You don't have to worry about rushing Andrew Painter back. And 
I think that helps the bullpen in a lot of ways. So go get Jordan Montgomery, bring him in, bring him onto this baseball team, and let's go win a fucking World Series. Because you bring Jordan Montgomery here, that guy knows how to win. I'm 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 for it. I'm for it. Did he I'm ever won. play for the Red Sox? Jordan Montgomery? I don't think so. That does not sound like a name that I remember. And if he did, it was probably during that 2020 Hugazi season where I couldn't even name you the manager. Season. I don't even remember yeah, he the manager. He was, he was Yankees. Oh, all right. So, at least, though, yeah. He was Yankees, Cardinals, and then Rangers last year. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I couldn't remember if he was, like, one of those weird, like, kind of like Nate Evaldi type of guys. Oh, they yeah. They were on the no. same team last year, so that's that's where that you got it from. My brain. Um, so yeah, bring me Jordan Montgomery, dude. Shoves like you need shovers in the playoffs, man. Um, I mean, it would be wild for the off season to kind of like transpire that way to where like you're able to sign Jordan Montgomery or Cody Bellinger to a, a cheaper deal like that and go all in um this season with a loaded roster it'll be it bring more excitement back to, to baseball there's no there I feel like right now baseball is just flying under the radar and excitement level you forget that spring yeah I mean it was a dud of a world series really dud I I couldn't even tell you if I watched the game or not I don't think I did. I didn't I I, I refuse to I don't um, know yeah but I mean like Think of the teams in baseball right now that are, like, exciting and no order. I'd say the Phillies. Mm-hmm. People will say the Braves, but they're frauds. Um, the Dodgers. Dodgers, obviously, because Otani. The um... people are going to get excited about the Rangers again this year just because they won the World Series. So yeah, it's World like, Series. oh, let's follow along with the World Series champs. Um I mean, as annoying as they are, the Astros are exciting. Yeah, they're they're really good too. So um, always... the Orioles, shout out to the Orioles. They they finally got new owners. Did you see that this week? Orioles sold team. Yeah, good for them. At least one AL, AL East team is knows what to do with their ownership. And they trade for Corbin Burns. Reese Hoskins yeah. got catfish, bro. Like, dude. It's so it's unbelievable what a, an owner. Shout out to my guy Cole Irvin. He's got a real owner owning the team he plays for. I don't have a real owner. The owners don't even care. They they're treating us like the Cinderella of their sports teams. Yeah, and when it's City Take Connect Day, you're Cinderella dressed in yelly. <laughs> taking care of the old Brits across the pond. And their soccer team. And they're, buying PGA. they're buying PGA. And all oh, the Red Sox? Fuck them. We don't need them. We have a whole farm system of dudes. The, the fans don't even care. No one cares. Yes, we do. We care. But no, John Henry just wants to sit on it and spin. <laughs> He's got a Jeez. Premier League title to win with Liverpool. Yeah, him and LeBron can just go worry about that. <laughs> Meanwhile, us Bostonians actually want to see a good Red Sox team. I asked my dad the other day, actually. I was like, I don't remember a time in my life where the Red Sox were so unwatchable and, you know, just no life to him. He goes, oh, geez, you're spoiled as hell because that was my entire, you know, childhood and growing up. The Red Sox were the worst team 
And I'm like, why? That is so sad. They're so fun. Like baseball just doesn't have that same energy anymore. And like, it's just sad. It's great down here. It's it's fantastic, actually. Well, I'm happy one of us is happy. I um I'm looking right now for you to to see what what it would cost for you to get some some juice back and and enjoy a Red Sox season ticket plan. Okay. So they have they have like a ten game, ten man is what it's called tenth man plans. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Let's view pricing. Damn, they're still bending you over. <laughs> just Hand taking over it. fist, bro. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I'm just taking it. It's, it's, it's okay. I get it. Like the, the cheapest is the left field grandstand upper, which I don't even know if there's tickets available for that right now. Oh no, there is. Not an ideal spot for. No, viewing. no, definitely but not. The right field grandstand. Oh, that's where the peeps got. That's where the peeps hang at. The the it's three hundred ninety dollars for the seat, for one. For the seat. For the for the plan, so you get those ten games, or whatever the plan is. At three hundred ninety six for three hundred ninety dollars for. Oh, that's not bad then for ten games. That is for one, two, three. Four, five, oh. six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, for ten games, so like thirty-nine bucks a ticket. That's not bad. I'm sorry. No, I th- I thought you were saying that it was three hundred something a seat. I don't know. It's three ninety-four your bad. seat, but for those ten games. Yeah, but that's not bad. I I would. I mean, See, to put it in perspective, I don't care as much though. Like, I'm not gonna pay that because I don't care about the team. I couldn't name you one real player except for Devers. At this point. Like that's the only star that you have. You don't have no star. You just have names that are generated from AI at this point. It's just sad, bro. Like there's no love. You care about the other teams, and then it's just oh. You know, it's, it is I, pretty wild that I don't really know any Red Sox players outside of Rafael Devers. Oh no, you got you got Lucas Giolito, who just had one of the worst seasons of his career this past year. Um Kenley yeah. Jansen. That could be a trade. That could be a Phillies-Red Sox trade. Okay. I would take Kenley Jansen on the Phillies as a closer. Okay. That's that's um, somebody I'm keeping an eye on. Okay. Um, I'll take Harper. Oh, dude, you got Nick Pavetta. What are you talking about? Brandy <laughs> Pavetta. Nicky P. Oh, my God. I forgot about him every time I see him pitch when I walk upstairs and see my dad watching and I chuckle because I just think of us ripping on Nick Pavetta. <laughs> No, oh, it's incredible. Uh, you, dude, you got the Sorcerer Supreme, Connor Wong, on your team too. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm with it now. That when I went to Fenway in 2022 mm-hmm. with DJ and like the way that your guy's scoreboard is, it just showed the last name it was just Wong. That's a yeah. I was like, oh, Sorcerer Supreme's Sorcerer here. Supreme. It's the Sorcerer <laughs> Supreme over there. That's awesome. Uh, oh, I, uh, Bobby Dalbeck. Everyone knows Bobby. Yeah, he's cool. Good, bad boy. Oh, you got Vaughn Grissom from the Chris Sale trade. I think he's oh, yeah. Good. I think he's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you got Trevor Story. Story time, bro. Yeah. I mean, he can't stay healthy. Yeah, 
No, he can't stay healthy, and we kept him for fucking Xander. We picked him over Xander Bogarts, so. Oh, and you got Wait. Yoshi. You got Yoshi. 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 Oh, he's cool. I do like. I I think I do like him. I think he's a future. And you got yeah. you signed Tyler O'Neill. He's good. That sounds like Tyler O'Neill, attorney at law. Jaron Duran. 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 And you got okay. this dude, he's you got an all name team candidate for baseball this year. Apologies if I mispronounce this. Sedan Rafaela. C E D D A N N E is the first name. And then R A F A E L A. Rafaela. Ooh. Now is he a bat or a pitcher? He's an outfielder. Oh, that dude's a speedster. Yeah, he's five, he's five nine one sixty five, and he's born in the year two thousand. Oh my god! <laughs> he might be the youngest player on your squad. Future, yeah, future is now. He's younger than Tristan Cassis, who was also born in two thousand. Oh my god, dude! These two thousand. Oh no 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 no! It's bad. Oh 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 my oh my goodness! You have a pitcher, bro. Louis <laughs> Perales. Was born April 14th, 2003. That's a child. That is that is a child. That's what I'm saying. They don't care. Just what we're, we're just building up ourselves. 2003, bro. Dude, I was in first grade. I was in over. third grade Jeez. when he was born. I was getting ready. I was enjoying springtime of third grade. Yeah, I was... Oh my god! Can't even enter a bar yet. Yeah, damn he right. You can't go out with Pitsy, bro. Dude, you can't. You can't hang with the champ. Drink twelve hours, sing karaoke, and enjoy espresso martinis in North End, Little Italy. You can't we're, do that. We're, we're going to talk about our our collective bar experiences here. Uh, but first, let's talk about our pals over at Foco. <gasps> what did you say, Foco, Kyle? Foco. What? I, I th- what? I think it's time to get. Nonsensical <laughs> with your captain here. Your captain speaking. Pitsy just upgraded his his forever collectibles, and that's what Foco is. They've got the best apparel. You see the captain's hat on his head right now, looking like an absolute stooge. You've seen me in the overalls for the fills, looking like an absolute stooge in the best way possible to use the word stooge. Uh, they got the velour track suits. They've got the summertime hats that I'm sure I'm going to be purchasing uh, for Philly season and a whole lot more. Plus, Foco is known for those amazing bobbleheads that they are dropping every single day of the week. Click the link in the description. Upgrade your forever collectibles today. Foco is the best in the game. Can't wait to continue building that partnership with them going into another Phil season. Shout out to Foco for sponsoring the podcast Pitts, you and I were both out uh, this weekend. I went out after the uh, wings game on Friday night was dragged out, which was a time, a time shout out to shout out to my, my people that I was out there with. It was a good time. Um, went to Xfinity live and uh, watched a bunch of people riding the bull at Xfinity live, which was pure comedy. I, I, that is peak people watching is oh, watching really people ride a mechanical bull. Um, oh yes, dude. A thousand percent. It is incredible. Um, 
obviously, if you know me, you know I don't drink. I never have. It's not my thing. So I was sipping on my waters, uh, my free bevies. And, bro, I got to tell you, <laughs> being out late is not – I'm not built for it anymore. I'm, I am washed. I am, oh, I am cleansed. No. I am washed. I got no. home at, like, 3 a.m., and I slept until, like, after – 12 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. Jesus. I was cooked. Oh, cooked. that's so sad, dude. I was thriving yesterday. We started, they had a mini concert in the basement of a uh, bar in Southie with this band, Dalton the Sheriff. Shout out them. They put me in their Instagram story. They're an unbelievable band. Check them out. Went to see them. And then their show ends at four. And we're like, well, like, we got to go do something. So we go to the next bar stats and selfie great place just a bunch of apps all right nachos for the table always play all right i just want to like if you're in need that's a bold move that's a bold move that nachos always play it's a messy food you're drinking at a bar at a high top you're not having like a white tablecloth dinner that's a that's a bold strategy we had nachos pizza um there was other things too. Um, all the slippable cheese products, <laughs> dude. Melted fried cheese and beer always go together. Just remember that. So we had a lot of that, um, and then from there, we're like, you know what? Let's be a little fancy. All right, let's have a little nightcap. Cafe Victoria in the North End, our our little Italy for the people who aren't from New England. Unbelievable espresso martinis. Contrary to popular belief, what you wave say. the red flag. Contrary, I don't care, dude. I'm not an espresso martini guy. Like it's not my favorite drink, but when in Rome or when in Little Italy, see what I did there. Uh, and it was good. I had this, bro. I had this red velvet cheesecake. Without a doubt, probably one of the top five desserts I've had in the longest time. It was absolutely delicious. And then we topped he's it off at a piano bar. He's combining espresso martinis and red velvet, the ultimate red flag items. Dude, I yeah, because I'm high class. What are you talking about? Like this I was sipping, I was sipping on my little espresso martini. Did you, Did you put you your finger little, in the glass too? What to swirl it? No, yeah, like, a little no absolute cretins on the no, internet. we do we do this. You got it's on the wrist, all right? It's on the wrist. And then we ended up at a piano bar. Of course you did. Calls D, dude, these keys right on uh, these keys. These nuts. <laughs> so it's called these keys because it's on D Street in Southie. So I we went there and it was a piano bar. They have like dueling pianos and they just placed like whatever song that you request. You just pay money, whatever. And they have games with wheels. Like you spin a wheel and they do stuff. Bro, so much fun. Like that. Exactly. Like, one of those. It's freaking awesome. And we had that. And then, I mean, I probably was drinking for 12 hours, got back to my buddy's house, and I woke up. I don't up know how you're there. alive right now. Oh, because I'm the champ. That's why. <laughs> what are you, like, come on. Uh, and then I woke up to a picture uh, in our group chat. And I this is the only thing I will say, like, I, I don't remember this really, is I'm going to the couch to pass out. He's going to his bed uh, at his place, and my friend Riley took a picture of us, and it's just us hugging in the middle of the kitchen, just like having a bro moment. And if like I was, if that's the way I'm ending my night, that's pretty goddamn good. You are can't unreal. complain. You are, dude. Unreal. I, I could have went. Go I was like, I could have went going more. I just like 
it was this newfound life, dude. Who said your your life gets more boring as you get older? Not this guy. I don't know. Not this guy with a fucking captain's hat in his head. No, you don't. Don't mess with me. Oh my god. Speaking of older, uh, we're old, and we were talking about this before the show. What a time house phones were, bro. House phones are like that was something that you had in like having as a kid. That was the closest thing I had to a cell phone. But you oh, knew 100%. everyone's house phone. You knew everyone's number too. That was the other thing. You had to remember numbers. You don't have to remember numbers anymore. It's all just saved. What I on tell your... people all the time. They're like, "Oh, I don't even know my my wife's phone number." It's like, yeah, because you call her name. You don't call her number. We call That's names. A great way now. to put it. It's such a good way to put it. Is you call names. Dude, house phones were a vibe. Like, I remember back when uh, the original Pokemon remakes, Fire Red and Leaf Green, came out. Me and my mm-hmm. buddies were like trying to like figure out all these different things for it, and we would be on our house phones, just like, "Yo, how do you do that?" Like hours while playing Pokemon on our Game Boys. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. Like this. that's just guys being dudes. That was the OG Xbox Live party. And then, like, imagine, imagine having a crush on someone and having to call. And you, that you was the most terrifying thing ever. Because you knew they weren't picking up. That's the thing. You knew they exactly. weren't picking up. First. You were mentally preparing yourself for their parent, whether it was mom or dad. And you were equally terrified, but for different reasons. Completely different reasons. Of who was going to pick up that phone. Dude, I I remember call. Yeah. Well, I also his thing, I didn't have that much experience with that. Mine was more AIM in waiting oh, I had those online. Two. I was waiting for them to be online and just like message like, hey, what's going on? And, oh, is she gonna message back? I don't know. The house phone, I was I was known for calling my neighbors up the street and I was getting their dad. I'm like, hey, can they come out to play? And he's like, Oh, let me check like that. I didn't have to call the girls thank god i I did that on the on the aim i was hitting them up it was terrifying and then like if you had multiple phones in your house for whatever reason and you could just pick up the phone and hear the conversation oh that was oh that was like spy ops that i remember those days that was like they need to be hiring you at the cia because you're tapping in you're wiretapping at, at that, that point, point, you're like hearing your parents talk about whatever, or you're like listening to your brother and their, you know, friend or significant whatever talking. Oh. And you just full James Bond spy. It's incredible. And then you either had the decision to make yourself known, to which then you were immediately locking your bedroom door. Yeah, you're done. Or you had that information in your back pocket for a rainy day. You you had it. You had to be very strategic. You had something dangling in the air. It was like a pinata, ready when at is any moment smash? to just whack that bad boy open. Oh, and I let it thing. rain the delicious candy that you had inside of that information you were just made privy to. Dude, just the glory days of house phones. And of course, Life Kate is so making us feel even older here in the chat as she's producing the show fantastically for us. Uh, saying that my age group is the weirdest thing. We know of house phones, but weren't old enough to call your friends as they were phased out for cell phones. The, <laughs> the red picture wouldn't know what a house phone was. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't. That's where we're at in our life, is that 
we have a team full of young guns who have no idea. That's the new barometer. It, it we now yeah. have two of the three. So you know how things come in threes. You now know somebody is way too young when they never used a house phone and their first cognizant childhood memory is not 9/11. Yes. Like if you don't, don't remember, remember 9/11 occurring, like how can they never forget if they never remembered? Yeah, see that's, that's the issue. That's the issue we run That into. always makes me feel gross is when people were not around for that to happen and it's like that is my first vivid childhood memory. You wonder why I'm so fucked up at age 30. Yeah, dude, we were a fucked up. <laughs> we grew up in a fucked up time. Dude, you had that. You had you had close to home with the Boston Marathon. Oh my god, dude. Yeah. That was crazy, man. Like my my mom was like there when when it went off. Not Kate, like there. Kate there, is but... Kate's checking all the boxes. She doesn't remember 9/11. God, Kate. You <laughs> I'm feeling old as hell. Old as hell. I'm feeling oh, stupid. This, this, this is unreal. Head. Unreal. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. What else do you not remember? I also, I also. Think do you even know perfect... what AIM is? Like, a... hey, you, like, do we even know? Like, it's a perfect typo that Kate put in the chat here. Not a clue. <laughs> not a clue. This is not a fucking clue. What AIM is? Uh, god damn it. AIM stands for AOL Instant Messenger. It's the reason my Twitter handle is what my Twitter handle is. That was my AIM screen name. Well, yeah, you probably like what the hell is American Online? Yeah, you got mail. <laughs> now you just gotta fucking vibrate. People know you got mail is like a fucking EDM drop now. <laughs> that should be a crime. It's probably yeah. like you got mail. Dun, 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 dun. Well, MySpace, yeah. Yeah, I never yeah. used MySpace. I wasn't allowed I to have a MySpace. I wasn't. Even, I was in yeah, that, that era. Okay. I was I wasn't allowed to have that or Facebook, and then once my friend got a Facebook, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah Facebook you, you... was the first like entrance into social media. Do you, was... you know what I miss about Facebook? What? Because I've been getting you like you can see like all the memories and stuff on your page and shit, dude. I'm so old. Fourteen years ago was when I had my Facebook made. Do you remember Farmville and Fishville? You're damn right. I remember Farmville. Don't you dare. I dude, love Farmville. I was a fiend on both of those games. Fishville was the shit. It was Fishville short-lived, but Fishville, that was like when we had pasta parties for my swim team, we were all fiends on our Fishville. We were making sure we had the most glorious fish tanks alive. Kate's probably like, what the fuck are these two talking this, about? This is, do you I know what Webkins somebody. is? Do you remember 100%. Webkins? Yes. I Dude, had the, the cash cow. The cash cow, bro. The cash cow. <laughs> uh, dude, right. the, the 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 freaking Fishville. I need somebody to be an app developer and bring Fishville back. Because it would crush on the iPhone. It would absolutely crush. I need Fishville back. Um, so, yeah. Shout out to the glory days. <laughs> Shout out to the glory days, man. Um, make sure you guys are actually one last thing. I'll let you have the floor. Please explain to the people, Pitsy. It's brought to you by Tomahawk Shades, best small batch eyewear in the game. From sunglasses to blue light glasses to prescription lenses and ski goggles, they've got you covered for the best quality at a fraction of the price. Go to TomahawkShades.com or download the Tomahawk Shades app and use code USP when you check out 
to get 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. That's TomahawkShades.com or the Tomahawk Shades app to get 25% off when you use code USP. Pitsy, please explain to the people in the dumbest of terms what the hell is happening here in April, why is The yeah. Rock back, and what the hell's going on at Lincoln Financial Field for WrestleMania 40. So before I hop into the audio stream to talk about that on the SmackDown Breakdown, um, so WrestleMania is happening in April, okay? Um Everyone is pissed up at The Rock be, if because there's Cody Rhodes, the wrestler. He came back to WWE to, quote-unquote, finish his story and win the championship that his dad won but didn't win and had it ripped out uh, in front of him. And the way he has to do that is beat this guy, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns' cousin is The Rock. Roman Reigns is like the, uh, I hate to say his name, but Hulk Hogan. Now he's just the dominant face like, uh, figure. So they're real life cousins. Um, real life cousins. Okay. The Anawani family is a very like historic wrestling family, and he's coming back to be part of that bloodline story because that was inevitable, and people aren't mad about that. What they're mad about is that he's taking Cody Rhodes' moment because Cody Rhodes just won the Royal Rumble. Winner of the Royal Rumble gets a title shot at WrestleMania, and. It was like, okay, he won the Rumble. He's going after Roman again. He's going to finish the story. But now there's a lot of injuries that, that have happened because of WrestleMania. Uh, CM Punk tore his tricep. Seth Rollins is dealing with a knee injury. So there's, you know, shifting of things. And, you know, there wouldn't be the big names that they thought of WrestleMania. So it's being reported now that The Rock is doing it to save WrestleMania, when in reality he's kind of hurting it. Because everyone just wants to see Cody Rhodes beat Roman Reigns and they want to see him become champion and not have The Rock take his spotlight. And The Rock has been known to take people's spotlights um, for most of the WrestleMania moments, specifically CM Punk's. So it's a really weird thing. Like, I can't wait to just hop on and talk about it uh, and nauseam there over at Sarah Marshall PNS Wrestling. Go check that out. Um, but yeah, and as a, a rock lover and literally my, my hero, um, I'm very conflicted because I just want to see Cody Rhodes win the title. I also want to see The Rock win at WrestleMania or just be at WrestleMania. But it's like, why does he have to do it? You know, why? Why now? Why does he? Why does he have to be for the title? All this stuff, and it's just it's blowing up. I mean, the clip uh, that they had from SmackDown the other night is the most disliked video in WWE's YouTube history. Like over half a million dislikes. It, it's a bad look on the company for not going this direction and it, it it feels like they're gonna have to kind of gate cave to the fans and give them what they want there so well it just feels like this is happening because the rock sold his ip to the rock to the wwe he's now a board mm. member and it's yeah exactly from that but what do i know but yeah go tune into the wrestling show uh mostly on youtube right it's on youtube there are marshall pns wrestling um so yeah go check that out uh make sure you guys are following us on the socials at underground phi twitter instagram tiktok threads follow pitsy on twitter at pat underscore pits and on instagram and threads at pitsy 35 follow me at kbizzl311 and kbizzle e11 uh we'll also drop kate's socials in the description so you can follow her and welcome her to this ufo that is underground um Subscribe to the podcast feed 
on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review. It really does go a long way for helping the show continue to grow. Helps us hit new milestones. And uh, let's keep pumping the numbies on audio. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's where you get full video episodes of this show twice a week, full video episodes of every show on our network, live streams, clips, original video content. It's all on the YouTube channel. We're at 737 subscribers. Let's get to 800. Let's make that happen. YouTube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Get your merch at phiapparel.co, code underground for 10% off your order. And, of course, this show is presented by the City of Vineland. And whether you're a company looking to expand, relocate, or you're a new business startup, selecting the right location is critical to your success. Vineland, New Jersey offers both an affordable business location and an excellent quality of life. The City's Economic Development Department is a one-stop source for moving your project through the development and approval process. And their goal is to make this process as smooth as possible and to provide the fastest turnaround times in in the region. If you're considering potential locations for your operation, contact the Vineland Economic Development Team at 856-794-4100. That's 856-794-4100. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. A big thank you to Security 21, Security Systems, and Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated for their continued support of this podcast. This has been episode number 609, a Super Bowl 52 anniversary episode of Underground Sports Philadelphia. We will be back on Wednesday celebrating six years of this company. But until then, we're getting the heck up out of here. We are signing off. Peace. I'm